0: Everybody, my wrestling friends out there, uh, welcome to episode 77 of No One's Ready for Wrestling as we talk professional wrestling. And trust me, we got a lot to talk about and give my honest opinion about my favorite thing in life, and that's pro wrestling. I am your host, the one, the only Phoenix that rises from the ashes I am Shino D. Phoenix, and I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode. And, man, talk about this week in pro wrestling. (laughs) I don't even know, man. But we got a lot of stories to talk about. We're going to talk about Raw Underground. We're going to talk about, um... Intergender Wrestling. That's been going on on social media. Give my thoughts on that. Um, we're going to talk about AEW as always. Um... I just have some quick thoughts on Impact, which I thought was a really good show, and, um, and so much more. So, it's going to be interesting. Uh, so, strap your uh, seatbelts and grab some drinks, and just take some time to listen to what I have to say from my mouth. But anyway, social media, you guys know the drill when it comes to that. Follow me on Twitter, at Phoenix. <clears throat> Excuse me, had to clear my throat. I do live tweet for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, and Impact Wrestling. And now I'm on the Impact bandwagon, so I freaking love it. (coughs) So you can find me there. Um, You could uh, also find me on Instagram at CoolMansip. I should be, I need to start posting more often. I don't know why I haven't been doing that lately. Facebook, you guys should do. You should just like the Facebook page. No one's ready for wrestling. That's where I post the episodes first. And of course I always do my shout out about Wrestling Amino on the show. So we always do it on a quick break before we talk WWE. So if you're new that's the format that we're going to be going with. So without further ado. Hajime Masha! That's Japanese for Let's Get Started. So let's get started. And we're going to talk about some news. We're going to talk about some signings. So, we got three of them to be exact. Now, Chris Jericho <clears throat> he revealed on his Saturday Night Special that um John Silva and Alex Reynolds, back then they were known as the Beaver Boars on the independent scene, really good tag team by the way. They both received an official contract to AEW this week. So, on top of Eddie Kingston coming in and And it's been a full week of AEW's latest relation department, well, talent relations department. And Jericho said, and also too, I got to hand it to John Silver and Alex Reynolds who signed their first contracts this week. So that's great. That is great. I mean, I've been following their work since um they came to Evolve, and they are a really great tag team. So I mean. And what we saw between these two against uh, Cody and Matt Cardona, it really shows, you know? And hopefully they do more with them. And if the Dark Order thing doesn't last long for them, I mean, they could go on a tag team run for themselves. Just saying. But I think it's really cool, you know? So congratulations to them. Now they're part of the AEW family. Another person who's part of the AEW family is Vicky Guerrero. As she was um, interviewed by Daily DDT, she confirmed that she signed with AEW. But the conditions were not disclosed. Now Vicky said that she had no hesitation to sign with AEW instead of going back to WWE. And she had a very clean cut reply by saying this. And I quote... No hesitation. Put it that way. I retired from WWE in 2014. My focus was not to return to them. We just had a lot of, of differences and opinions and things going on. If it wasn't going to be for AEW, I don't think I would be anywhere else. But when AEW presented that, there was some opportunity. I gave 100% just my whole being. I said, I'm here for you, and I can't wait to be a team player with the, with the company. So, <clears throat> AEW, they gave Vicky Guerrero a fun role to play as Nyla Rose's, ma- Rose's manager, and I think she's doing a pretty good job, and that could have a lot of possibilities. Guerrero also played many roles on television, from general manager to a love interest. Now, Vicky Guerrero is versatile in Tony Khan's obviously realizes all the things she is capable of. She can also say, "Excuse me." Well, I can't do it like Vicky Guerrero because my voice would be shot on AEW television because WWE didn't lock down that copyright. So, good on Vicky. I mean, this is a next chapter for her. I'm looking forward to what what she brings to um to AEW. I think her and Nyla Rose, like I mentioned, they make a weird but interesting parent, but it's entertaining. So, and yes, there's really nothing else for her in WWE. I mean, I mean, it's not like WWE be like, hey, please come back. We're gonna do this for you, please. Uh, it's not gonna happen. But, like I said, this is the next chapter, and I think she's gonna do well. So, good good luck to you, Vicky Guerrero. Now, Dynamite. They're going to be moving. And no, that does not mean they're going to be permanently moving to a different day. Because the rating Wars is going to be over and done with. NXT is going to be on a Wednesday while AEW moves to a different platform. It's not going to happen. It's just because of the NBA coverage, okay? Now, due to the NBA game slated to air on TNT, the network has announced that some episodes of Dynamite will be moved to different days and time. So this is the press release that was released via Warner Media. The Wednesday, August nineteenth episode will air on Saturday at six o'clock p.m. Eastern Time to three o'clock p.m. Pacific Time. the The Wednesday episode of August twenty sixth will air on Thursday at um on August twenty seventh at eight o'clock p.m. Eastern Pacific Time. Um. The Wednesday, September 16th episode will air Thursday, September 17th at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern and Pacific time. So obviously, this is not, um, this is not what AEW needs right now because they're building tours all out. But it will be interesting to see what kind of numbers they can get without NXT going head to head with them. Now, it'll also be interesting to see the NXT viewership against the NBA, which we all know that rating will go down. Because, I mean, it's NBA season. Everybody loves the fucking NBA. Now, continuing on, they, we got another update that two different episodes of Dynamite will air on the 26th and the 27th. Um, it was just reported by Meltzer on Twitter that there will be two episodes of AEW Dynamite airing on consecutive days. In the last week of August, these shows will be heavily geared towards promoting All Out. Now, as noted earlier, due to the NBA playoffs, Dynamite will not air on his regular time slot on August 19th, the 26th, and September 16th. Melson reported that the August 26th episode will air later in the night after the NBA playoff games. Another episode that will air on the following night, August 27th, um... Here's the updated, like we already talked about the time slot. So, August 27th, Thursday, will be a new episode. And the Wednesday, September... Uh, no, Wednesday on August 26th will be the night after the NBA coverage. So, it'll be interesting to see how they do. And I think their, rate, their numbers are going to go skyrocket high to a million. That's my prediction. I mean, that's the... Hip thing we're talking about now. Ratings. Because that's important right? I mean. I I think we're going to have a great show man. But. It is interesting to see what they're going to do. For both NXT and AEW. uh, Perspective. How they're going to handle the ratings. By themselves. Because I know. NXT is going to be going up against the NBA playoffs. Which. We all know the NBA playoffs are going to have the highest rated show. And NXT's ratings might. Slim up a little bit, or they might go down. I don't know. Now, AEW, that's a different story. If they could do it by themselves, like, and not worry about NXT, I guarantee you that ratings are gonna see like high numbers. And I know for a fact that WWE does not want that. Just saying, okay? But I'll leave that up to you. But I think NXT and AEW, this is an interesting. Thing, since they're not going head to head with each other. but we'll find out who does it better by themselves. Let's wait and see. So we got two people from the aew side decided to leave Twitter um, starting with Brandy Rhodes. She was very much excited about Aew Heels, a new social media platform for female wrestling fans and the next thing we know, she deleted her Twitter. Now, fans noticed on Thursday night that the chief brand officer has now left Twitter, and her account is not active any longer, but it could always come back at a later time. Now, Rose was previously answering fans who were criticizing AEW heels. These fans were coming down on AEW's use of women's wrestling while questioning while AEW heels exists. Rhodes was also trying to state that AEW Heels was a platform for female wrestling fans and not for not if not for fans of women's wrestling. This could have been the cause of this Twitter exit, but the messages were com- coming pretty heated at Brandy Rhodes over the new excuse me. The new AEW Heel project. We will have to see if Brandy Rhodes reactivates her Twitter account. That- down the road. Now it looks like she's taking a break now. Because I mean look Twitter is a toxic environment. We all know that. And. Like. I will talk about the women's division later on. When we get to Dynamite. But uh. I know some people. Like I'm just going to give my honest opinion about it later. So. Just bear with me alright. Another person who's leaving social media. Is Joey Janella. He announced that he will no longer be active on social media, whether that's Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, and those with a large following have received negative comments from people. AEW took to Twitter on Thursday to announce that he has decided to give access to his social media platform to his management team to control as a way to avoid toxicity. Apparently, his decision comes after he got backlash from what was to be perceived a botch on the most recent episode of Dark. He noted that he never botched in his career. What was surprising about his statement was the fact that at one point, he has considered retiring from wrestling because of the negativity from people on the platforms. So, this is the statement. Hey, I decided to give up on social media. I never botched in my career, and I didn't on AEW Dark. Which, which, um... It was him and uh, Sonny Kiss teaming up against, um, luckily I wrote it down, the initiative. So, he said, um, at one point, these horrible humans on social media had me at a point of retirement, but I I retracted that decision. I will be handling my password to a management team. Thanks, JJ. So, there you have it, guys. Twitter, toxicity, chasing people away. And um, all I can say is, we got to do better. Us fans have to do better. And I know there's negativity. I know people don't want to be around negativity. And all I can say is, this is why people are leaving Twitter. They don't want to be around toxic people, to say the least. And... I don't know, man. It's just... It's just so... Weird. To say the least. But... Look, if he wants to leave Twitter, that's fine by him. I mean... I would do the same thing... If I had to deal with negative people. Just being real. Alright? Now... I did watch the Women's Tag Team Deadly Draw Tournament. I thought it was... Okay. for what it was, I was happy to see Vada Scott... Because she was on commentary with Tony Schiavone. They bought in Shaw Guerrero to do the ring announcing. Which I think I thought she did a really good job. A really, really good job. And they bought in WWE Hall of Famer Medusa to introduce the uh, Deadly Draw tournament. So our first match was um, Brandy Rhodes and Allie versus Penelope Ford and Mel. This was okay for what it was. And um, and to the surprise of no one, Brandy Rhodes and Allie... One and they had a nice little story with Mel and Brandy Rose with the Nightmare Collective, which, look, I don't want to talk about that, uh, that disaster, and I'm glad they got rid of it because it was terrible. Then we had um, Nyla Rose and Ariane Andrews taking on Anna J and Conchi. Anna Tay, like AJ, but. Man, I I loved Tae Kanchi. I thought she looked so much better on here. And I I hope to God that um, AEW signs her. And it would benefit so much for her. Because she will show how much of a big star she is. And I saw on her Twitter that she watched Ishii and Shibata two times. And I'm like, now that's what I'm talking about. She gets it. This match was decent. It was fine for what it was. Um, but all I can say is. I thought Nyla Rose and Ariana Andrews was going to win. But they went with Anna J and Tay Te- Kanchi. Te- I almost say Tay But it's that instinct you know. But I'm very happy that they won. And like I said. I want to see more Anna J on uh, AEW Dynamite in the ring. And I hope that um, Taekonchi gets a contract with AEW. I think they could use her. And it would benefit so much for for them. If they give her this offer, you know? So Nyla Rose, she... uh, Like, after the match, she attacked Ariana Andrews. And she just walked out. And that was pretty much it. Now, Ariana Andrews, she's not going... To sign with AEW. This was just a one time appearance. And. More than likely. They even tease a reunion between her and Naomi. Uh. Not on WWE. But it was on a podcast. That she has. And. We could see. A possible reunion. Now I know I'm repeating myself. But. But. Do I want to see it? Eh. I mean, it'll give that nostalgia feel, but eh, but Naomi's on a hot is doing some something right now on SmackDown because of this hashtag that they're turning into a storyline. Just just saying. But we got more to come on uh the women's tag tournament that is going to air next Monday to say the least. Now AEW Dark Just some quick thoughts on that. Scorpio Sky. This was the highlight. I thought Scorpio Sky's post-match promo. He said this chair is symbolic. And it should be a throne. And he didn't bury AEW Dark. He pretty much talked about this is a platform to uh, give people who are not having an opportunity. Just showcase what they could bring to the table. And he's like, I want to be a champion. I want to make a name for myself on uh on AEW and like I I'm just going to tell you watch the promo because everything Scorpio Sky said is 100% facts and it played to what happened on Dynamite. So I'll talk about that later. Yeah, the Gun Club they defeated Aaron Solo and Serpentico. It was all right. Sunny Kiss and Joey Janella, like I mentioned, defeated the initiative um this was a fine match for what it was. Abaddon continues to be my favorite in the women's division. I am sorry, Hikaru Shida. Um she defeated uh Kylan King. Jack Evans, the hybrid two, they're back. They are on my favorite tag team, and I'm literally I literally said I'm happy, so so happy to see them back on uh AEW. And if you talk about underrated, like underrated teams, the Hybrid is on that list. And I hope they get a push, man. But this match with QT Marshall, very good. Jack Evans got the win over QT Marshall. And it looks like they're building towards a Hybrid 2 versus Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall. That's a few that we're going to see on uh, AEW Dark. We have FTR, they defeated Brian Pillman Jr., who I read a report that he hopes to get released from MLW. And I think this is because he wants to work with All Elite Wrestling. He wants to sign a full contract with them. And I can see that. And I hope they get him. I mean, if he gets released, it would be good on him, and it would be good for AEW. That would be a great Signing, and you got another star in the making right there. So, Brian Pillman and Griff Garrison, <coughs> Jungle Man, <coughs> they lost to FTR, say yeah. And finally, The Butcher and The Blade took on Private Party. Good match. Good match. But The Butcher and The Blade, like, thanks a lot, Solo Monster. Thanks a lot, because I have to say it like you now. They defeated Private Party, and that was pretty much it. Let's talk about Dynamite for a bit. And I'm looking at the poll results. It's a resounding 100%. Nobody said it was a thumbs-down show, and you know what? I agree. We started with the Dark Order versus the Elite and FTR. 12-man action. Storylines galore. Storylines galore. I mean, this was this was great. Way better than last week's opening uh match. But um, like if you want me to say it as a whole, I thought this dynamite was way better than last week's uh dynamite. Really great show for uh, AEW that did nine hundred and one thousand viewers. So that's that's great. That is great. But. We have multiple storylines with FTR and Hangman Page. Um, we got him and Brody Lee. Like, we know that's a feud I wanna see. But this was all over the place. Super kick party galore by the Young Bucks, but it advances some of the story that they're trying to tell. And all I can say is the way Brody Lee hit that disc is Lariat. He turned Hangman Page inside out. That was just brutal. And the Dark Order got the win. They needed it. I mean, they weren't going to be known as a bunch of losers. They had to win a match some way, somehow. Just saying. Um, But this was a, a really good opening match to uh, kick off Dynamite. You had best friends... Versus Santana and Ortiz, this was really good. Best friends, they got the win with the roll up. They like um, Santana and Ortiz, they were looking for Street Sweeper, but um, then I believe it was on Trent. I believe so, but Chucky T prevented it, and I believe we got the roll up. And they just looked proud and powerful. They looked absolutely frustrated about the loss. So, what did they do? Because later, like during the show, like earlier, they rode, Best Friends, they rode on uh, Trent's mom's van. And they took out their frustration on uh, the van after losing the match. And later on during the show, again, Best Friends, they're standing right in front of the destroyed uh, van of Trent's mom. And he tells... Like, Trent tells uh, Proud and Powerful that you can do whatever you want to them, but you do not touch my mom's van. And they said they beat them. I think Chucky said they beat them again tonight. They'll do it again. And this time, Santana and Ortiz will apologize to Trent's mom on the microphone. Like, on a megaphone. So, I thought that was great. So, it continues their feud. You had MJF. Showing his, his campaign room, which is pretty much like a locker room. Um, He's berating the staff, which I fucking love, MJF. He, he is just awesome as a heel. That is someone that you love to hate. Not someone that's get-off-my-TV worthy, you know? um. So, they showed the polls about his popularity. And it shows 100%, MJF, like... Negative, I believe eighty-nine percent said it was John Moxley. And I believe the cameraman asks what would happen if Darby Allen wins the title for Moxley. And he's like, What? Did I have to wrestle a 180-pound goth kid? <laughs> oh my god, I fucking love MJF man. He is awesome. And I really I don't know. I think he should win the title, but they might save the title change when they get a crowd. Like, um, that's just my theory, but we're just gonna have to wait and see. when we get to all out, so continue. They're continuing building towards their match. Um, Matthew Hardy, not Matt Hardy, not Damascus Matt Hardy or Big Money Matt Hardy. It's just regular Matthew Hardy. He talks about when he decided to come to AEW. He wanted to be somewhere where he's respected. I don't know if that is a shot at WWE, but it looks like it to me. Um, He talks about seeing an incredible roster of young stars and thought he would be an attraction. He listens to the fans and they want to see him as Matthew Hardy and not a gimmick. So he talks about trying to help Sammy Guevara. Which we will talk about because I know there's backstage heat on Sammy G. On what happened in this angle. So he doesn't want to help um, Sammy. He um, wants to hurt him and this brings out Sammy Guevara. And they started brawling. And they were brawling on the outside. They, I believe Sammy sent Matt through a table. He set him on the table and he picked up this chair... And he threw he just chucked the wrong chair at the face of Matt Hardy, and you can see pools of blood pouring down his face. It's like he got slashed or something. So, like the And there is backstage heat on Sammy Guevara after that because he grabbed the wrong chair. But look, mistake happens. It shit happens. It was a it was the wrong time. He should have got a different chair, but I don't think he's gonna be thoroughly punished that's just how I am seeing things but it accidents happen okay so it's um no nobody's fault like but luckily they managed to stitch it up in time and I saw Rebby Hardy actually taking the stitches out now now speaking of matt Hardy um wildcat actually showed a video of uh Luke Hawks actually taking on Matt Hardy during the time. And I managed to watch it. I'm like, damn, this was old Wildcat at the time. And and I'm like, they actually had Matt Hardy on the show. I'm like, hmm, I got to watch it. And it was really good. But this still contains the feud between Matt Hardy and uh, Sammy Guevara. So I don't know if this is going to take place at All Out. But we're going to find out. Matt Cardona. Teamed with Cody. By the way, Matt Cardona had Pyro to take on Alex Reynolds and John Silver, which was a damn good match. And it just shows how much of how great of a team John Silver and Alex Reynolds are. Um They won. Matt Cardona hit the Radio Silent. That is his new name for the Rough Rider. It is Radio Silent. And it was a damn good showcase for a uh, it was a pretty good showcase for Matt Cardona. And he's just working on a short-term deal with All Elite Wrestling. Who knows, he might get a long-term contract with them. Just saying. And this is where things get interesting. At the, uh, As the Baby phases was walking out, Scorpio Sky actually stopped Cody. And he just tapped on the TNT Championship. And that is a sign that if... Like, I don't know, man, but this is just, that is a great thing. I think Scorpio Sky is going to get that opportunity to showcase why how great this guy really is. And like he mentioned on the promo, he, he talked about him pinning Jericho, not just Moxley, but him as well. So he should be treated as a huge star. Just Just saying. And then it was time. The awesome debate between Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy with who to be the special guest moderator? Eric Bischoff. Eric Bischoff. And he even said that this is his uh, one-time appearance, but hopefully they do something more with him. Like have a backstage role or I don't know, but that's up to him. So I did not bother to write this down because it was just so great. And I'm reading this on wrestling Incs uh, website so so I gotta credit them right here so they did actually they actually did a great job recapping this one um he sits at the table and says he has five different questions for tonight's debate and the they never seen the questions so Cassidy's announced first then Jericho who was in who is in a black suit I mean looks great. While Jake Hager's carrying the $7,000 juiced-up uh, suit of Jericho. <laughs> um, now, <laughs> Jericho thanks Cassidy for dressing on the occasion. And he pulls out a club <laughs> Like, this is the part that kills me. He takes, like, he, he's in his jacket. Like, he goes in his jacket pocket and he fucking puts on a clip time. <laughs> oh my god, I fucking love Orange Cassidy. That killed me. Now, Jericho, in his usual self, he said this is why he hates Cassidy. He says he's a Flash and a paint pe- hand and a nobody. Cassidy is asked for his response, in which Jericho doesn't respond. And by the way, I believe... No, no, no. Now, Jericho, who's the better wrestler? Who's the biggest star? Um, Jericho says it's pretty obvious what the answer is to to that, and he rips Cassidy some more, in which Cassidy does not respond. Now, the third question was about rising sea levels and the dangers it has for the world. For the world. Cassidy just rattled on about the rising sea levels. And Jericho just looks astonished, shocked, and just wow. He just he just couldn't believe he had that. This dude really talks, well, like in that gimmick. Now that was hilarious. Next question is Zach's: Why is Cassidy so popular? Cassidy, you no, know, Jericho called Cassidy a pimple on the ass of pro wrestling. Says fans at home need a real can rel- relate it at home can relate. To a lazy, entitled nobody. He said next week he wants $7,000 for his damaged jackets, And he's going to leave AEW and go back to being a juice guy at the mall. (laughs) Now the last question. Why this match means so much to both guys? Jericho's about to talk. But Cassidy just tells him shut up. Just shut up. Cassidy says he doesn't care about Jericho. But he does... He does care about the match next week. He says it's the biggest match of his life. And the biggest of Jericho's. Now this is where serious Cassidy comes off. Like the moment the, Je- the glasses are off. He's like. He tells Jericho to look at the man who's going to beat and embarrass him. And with his hands on his in his pockets. And like I'm telling you. You watch that entire. That segment right there. Is full of comedy and seriousness. They combine the two and it's not cringy. It felt so organic. Now you may be saying, well, if WWE did it, you would have shat on it. Of course I would, because it would have felt forced and it would have felt uninterested. AEW, their differences, like, and this is not me being anti WWE. Like, this is just how I see how WWE would do these types of debates. And they will make it sound so forced. Unlike AEW, they made it feel organic and it got people even more excited for their match next week and at which at which I think Orange Cassidy needs to win. I think Orange Cassidy needs to win and rightfully so. Now Jericho has to put him over. He put him over and uh like Cassidy lost at uh, fighter Fest, but he looked damn good. He looked damn good at it. So, I think a win over Jericho would make him a huge star. Now, Cassidy... Now, Bischoff declared Cassidy the winner, and Jericho's like, you can't do that. And you know what? I haven't liked you, Bischoff, for 20 years. And Bischoff said, it's actually been 24 years, and he knows exactly how Jericho feels. So Jericho, he six Hager and attacks Cassidy and he rams O.C. into Jericho's Judas effect. And best friends, some best friends they are, ran out in the ring to chase the duo away. Where the hell were you when Orange Cassidy was getting beat down? Just saying. Some friends you guys are. I know you're preoccupied with with LAX. Oops, I can't say that. Proud and powerful. Um for the your feud with them after what they did to uh what they did to Trent's mom's car. So that is um something I can see. So I thought this was an excellent segment. It did this course to set up the um their match, which I am definitely looking forward to. I think this is gonna be great. And I think, like I mentioned, Orange Cassidy has to win. Now, Jericho, I think he could take an L. That's all I'm going to say on that. He's going to, he could take an L and he could make him look like a million fucking bucks. Now we get to the women. Now, before we talk about this, um, I, I got to say this. And I know people might disagree with me, but you look at the women's division on AEW It is the weakest. I think that is one of their biggest uh, downward spiral a little bit. It's not that good. Now, I know it's a work in progress, okay? It really is. But the only two... Like, I love Hikaru Shida. And I feel like they're doing her a disservice. Because, I mean, she just doesn't have any competitors. And it's not her fault. It's not AEW's fault. It's just that Chris Statlander's out out of action... With an injury, Britt Baker, she's doing her own thing. She's standing out along with Big Swole in this rivalry, which is literally the best thing about that women's division right there. It's, it feels like the women's championship has been an afterthought. And I don't like that. Now, Um, <clears throat> Riho and literally Riho and Yuka Sakazaki, they can't travel to America. Like, I don't know what is going on but that women's division desperately needs some new faces desperately i mean we need like i've been lobbying for LuFisto if there's one person who can make that women's division stand out LuFisto's the person to do it i mean you could do Tessa Blanchard but we know that she has a backstage she has history of her attitude and um i don't i don't know man it's just so much that needs to be improved for uh, the women's division. It, I don't know. They got less than a minute. Like less than about one or two minutes. When Big Swole faced Reba. And this was, this was eh. Eh. But I will say this. Reba actually hit a damn good uh, middle rope moonsault. That looked so damn good. And I mean, take it from somebody who had a background in cheerleading. So, but Big Swole won with Dirty Dancing, and we're now still doing this um, program with Big Swole and Britt Baker, which I am looking forward to. But that women's division desperately, desperately, desperately need some improvements. It's a work in progress, so I'm going to let it slide, but it's definitely AEW's biggest weakness. In my honest opinion. So we got Moxley and Darby Allen. This was damn good. Really fucking good. Um, Moxley in a promo said that he was going to break, um, like he was going to try and break Darby Allen's neck. He even hit a gotch style pile driver. And I know somewhere Suzuki is watching and he is smiling from ear to ear. But he's not happy for the fact that somebody kicked out of the Gotch-style pile driver. So... All I can say is... Paradigm shift. There was an MJF interference during the match as well where... uh, Warlow distracted the referee and MJF took the AEW title and bashed it on Darby... Not on Darby, but on Moxley's head and you see blood literally pouring down. So... All I mean, all I can say is this was a really good, Moxley retains, and it continues to build towards um, him and MJF at All Out. So next week on Dynamite, Scorpio Sky versus Cody. We got th- that matches for the TNT Championship. Jericho versus Orange Cassidy. We got Ome- Tag Team Appreciation. Omega and Paige versus Jurassic Express. The Dark Order versus The Young Bucks. We got the Rock and Roll Express. Anderson and Blanchard. They will appear for the Tag Team Appreciation Night for Dynamite. So, I'm looking forward to that. I think this is going to be really great. And, um, like, all I can say is AEW is doing everything right to make me invested in their show. And I love it. What I also love is Impact. I fucking love Impact Wrestling. Um, so, I got some quick thoughts on this real quick. Um, they opened a show with Heath versus Moose for the TNA World Championship. This was good. And you're telling a story about... um. He's he trying to... I'm literally trying not to say Heath Slater. Like, it's literally in my blood trying not to go by Heath Slater, but just calling him Heath. It's just so hard. Like, and I got to mention this. As much as we all could talk shit about Moose, can we all agree that he has a really, a damn good entrance on Impact? It is so amazing. So fucking amazing. But Moose, he retained over Heath, and I think he... Made a really great impression on himself. He looks so much better here. And I hope they rethink and um, they give him a contract. We all know he's going to... This is his landing spot right here. And he could be the next Drew McIntyre. The guy who reinvented himself. And goes... Like, I'm not saying he's going to go back to WWE. I don't see that happening anytime soon. I think this is a great spot for him. Um... I know their big announcement is um, with Rich Swan. We'll talk about that later. We had the sit-down interview with the new tag team champions, Motor City Machine Guns. This was really good. But what I really loved about it was the North coming out and (laughs) all-ego Ethan Page just screaming at the top of his lungs, saying that you did not beat us 100%. You didn't beat us. We beat us at 40%. And all I can say is <laughs> Ethan Page is great, man. He is so amazing. And they want their rematch at um Emergence. So I'm looking forward to it. I think that's gonna be a fantastic, fantastic match. So n- later on we got Wrestle House, which I fucking love. Like, it is the best thing on Impact Wrestling right now. And yeah, Susie and Alicia, like Alicia Edwards was trying to um, teach Susie how to flirt with a man. And yeah, Johnny Swinger trying to uh, make a move. But uh, <laughs> we get this back. At, um, and this was funny. I thought this was funny for what it was. But Johnny Swinger and lost to Alicia Edwards and Susie. In a handicap match, and that's not the only match that we got. We had Kylie Ray and um, Rosemary, which I thought was great. And, and speaking of Kylie Ray, there's actually two things I want to talk about, and one of them involves her and Jim Cornette. And I love this is the reason why I love Kylie Ray. Now, we all know that Jim Cornette doesn't keep his opinion about pro wrestling a secret. Many wrestlers are on his bad list, and some wear that like a badge of honor. Kylie Ray recently tweeted out an animated GIF of someone laughing while crying with a caption reading, Me seeing all the wrestlers Jim Cornette used to shit on, rise above, and constantly succeed time and time again. Now, Jim Cornette replied to Kylie Ray's comments saying that he did, like he didn't seem to agree with her, or at least they have different ways of gauging success. And he's like, rise above what's, what to succeed is what? Sketch comedy? Skateboarding? High school the, uh, theater? Also, who the fuck are you again? More people have bought tickets to watch me take a shit. Mind you, mind your manners, chickadee. Well, chickadee. Kylie had the best response right here. And this was pure savagery, savagery right here. Wow, congratulations. What an achievement. Happy for you, Mr. Cornette. <laughs> oh, I love Kylie Ray, man. She's a savage. An absolute savage. I love it. Now, speaking of which, I asked you guys on Twitter if you had to describe Kylie Ray with one word. And I'm gonna read them all to you. Um, how would you describe it in one word? I had Friendly. My friend Derek had Amazing. We got Kind, Adorable, Bubbly, Smiley, Amazing, Sweet, Smiley, Complex, Happy. She brings a lot of joys, so that's what it means. Smiley. And someone said, Beautiful, Sexy, Fine, Adorable. Does that count as one word? (laughs) And he has a like shrugging emoji. Lovable. Beautiful, hot, and cute. I think those are the best words to describe Kylie Ray. But um, man, 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 man. I fucking love Wrestle House. It is really good. Um just just watch it, man. It, it's entertaining and they they do it right. So we had an open challenge with Eddie Edwards, and Sammy Callahan makes Answers the challenge, and you know what that means? <clears throat> that means that RVD showed up and did some damage because he embarrassed Katie Forbes. And I thought that was hilarious. That was really good. Um, but this was a fine match for what it was. But it's we had um Chris Babe. Chris Bay is literally becoming one of my favorites right now. Um All I could say is keep an eye on this guy I said in all my slam anniversary thoughts I'm going to say it again keep an eye on this guy he actually got pinned by TjP that's a match I'm looking forward to for the X division championship that would be absolutely fantastic and then we got Rich Swan who had to make a shocking announcement he went on to talk about all the ups and downs in his career the past Specifically, the past eight months. Suffering from a career-threatening injury to returning to Slammiversary for a shot at the World Championship. And it's been a heck of a ride. Sadly, he revealed that after 15 years in the business, he has to retire from in-ring competition. Now, we all know... Now, I honestly knew for a fact that this was a storyline. Because I think Rich Juan is okay. Um, you had members surrounding the ring... And as soon as he walked out, you had Eric Young literally attacking him and hitting him on the injured leg and running off. Continuing this feud with um Eddie Edwards and Eric Young. And not only that with Rich Swan and and um Eric Young. And I mentioned this on Twitter when I was talking about Impact. EY looks like a legit. Hated badass. And Impact gets it. I wish WWE would get it. But it's too little too late. They had it with Sanity. But you fucked it up. You had to fuck it up. So I'm glad Ey's back on Impact. He's doing much better here. Than he has in his entire run in the main roster. In WWE. I'm just saying. Now... <clears throat> We have a huge debate in the wrestling world, and that is intergender wrestling. So, how do we get to this, you may ask? So, we caught fire when Lance Storm proposed that the idea should be done away with in light of the speaking out movement. And plenty of people were discussing intergender wrestling and arguing their points. Fans and wrestlers alike weighed in on the subject, Lance Storm clarified And defended his statement several times as he responded to his notification on Twitter. Now, Storm stated that he has had female students come to him concerned about wrestling men. But there were pressures on them to do so. He tried to make a point that pressuring someone into saying yes is not consent. Now, he said, I'm spitting the facts that female students slash wrestlers have come to me with fears and concern of the predatory nature of intergender matches at an indie level. That is not opinion. That is facts. I am voicing and supporting them. There are plenty of people who spoke out in defense of intergender wrestling as well. The idea was also argued that intergender wrestlers should stop because it's not believable. Storm did not make that argument, but it it was... been one made in the past by Jim Cornette, among others. So let's read some of these tweets, shall we? From Landstorm. How do you remove that pressure? Like someone he quoted, tweeted Nikki Homicide, who said, As someone who fought tooth and nail to get matches during my indie career when there were me- very few other female wrestlers in my area, I respectfully disagree. No one should be pressured into matches they aren't comfortable with. Full stop, gender is not an issue. Now, he said, how do you remove that pressure? No one seems to be able to answer that question. Sortage of your women wrestlers is not an issue anymore. Now, another person, Screen Hardy, said, Lance normally spits back, but nobody is perfect. And he replied with a quote to by saying, I'm spitting the facts that female student Slash wrestlers have come to me, like I mentioned, with fears and concerns, a predatory nature of intergender matches at an indie level. That is not an opinion. That is a fact. I am voicing them and supporting them. He continued on. Like, this is a long list. And we're going to look through all of Lance, like I mentioned. He's like, dude, please tell me you understand. Pressuring a woman to say yes is not consent. And he continues on, there's a lot of assholes in the business that try to hold all competition down. It's wrong, but I don't know what DMing me a name will accomplish. Some good women promoters would be great for the business. Um, <clears throat> and he goes on to say again, why is it being against intergender? Saying women should, shouldn't do something. I'm telling men to stop doing intergender too. And he's like, he continues on with, yeah... But for anything I say to carry weight, I can't speak out against some someone simply because someone on Twitter told me they did something bad. That's why I spoke out on this because I have firsthand experience with women not wanting to do intergender and feeling pressured. Now we get the responses from the wrestlers themselves, starting with Shazam McKenzie, who I would like to see, but um, let's see. She said, um, wow, middle-aged men trying to tell women when we should feel safe or not. The solution to the issue is to get rid of the men who abuse these situations and not to eliminate the idea of an athletic competition between two athletes. Also, fuck Cornette. Yeah, Santana said, I've seen my mom knock a grown-ass man out cold. There's my take of intergender wrestling. Warhorse said to people who think intergender wrestling is unrealistic, you know they used to wrestle bears, right? Also, this picture was from 1980, and he has a picture of it on his Twitter. But the guy may as well be Joe Exotic doing a mall, mall loop with sad animals. You have Viper, or Piper Niven, saying if people have a hard time believing in intergender wrestling, then I got real bad news for them about the Easter Bunny. Wow, savage. Ethan Page <clears throat> said, too many people worry about talent's gender. When when we're going to start caring about how people on TV can't throw a punch? If you're a good wrestler, I don't care what your gender is. Be good at your job and is all that matters to me. If I got to sell hell for dog males, let me sell for everyone. Kimberly says, since intergender is a hot topic right now, Here's me looking so weak and frail and unbelievable against a male opponent, and it shows um, her and Beyond wrestling doing a diving senton off the apron on, I believe, John Silver. And I believe Kylie Ray, because I retweeted it. She got involved, and she said this: intergender wrestling needs to stop. Okay, so you're telling me no matter how hard I work. No matter how big or strong I get, no matter how much effort, blood, and tears, I will never get some of my dream matches because, point blank, I'm not good enough. Might might cause mental illness? Nah. So there you go. So you want my take on uh, intergender wrestling? Here's my take on it. I don't think it should end. All right, but I will. Like I side with the wrestlers here. Well, and I've seen Intergender Wrestling before, and I'm going to take you back like two years ago when I went to Beyond Wrestling, my very first show. And if I can remember clearly, you had Diana Perazzo taking on Matt Riddle. I'll never forget that. You had Twisted Sisters taking on Chris Dickinson and Jocka. Awesome match. Jonathan Gresham taking on Karen Q, two of the best... Te- Two great technical wrestlers. Really great stuff. You had... Um, I believe it was... Kimberly versus Josh Briggs. If I'm correct. I might be wrong on that. But... That was a great match. You had... Lufisto. Who has been doing intergender wrestling for a long time. Lufisto. And her partner. Jordan Grace. Taking on LAX. You had Orange Cassidy teaming with Moth Martina taking on Joey Janela and Penelope Ford in a mixed tag match. And it was a great one. It was entertaining and funny. I don't have a problem with intergender wrestling. When, what they have to do, like, and here's my take on this. If you want, just say no. I don't, I don't feel like doing intergender matches. Just say no. And I hope the promoters understand that. And that's my feeling. Um, All I can say is... Like, this whole debate... I mean, it's pointless. Literally. I think intergender wrestling should stay. Like, it brings the... It not only brings the best out of the men. It really brings the best out of the women. Like, and I could even talk about Tony Storm and Timothy Thatcher going at it at Beyond Wrestling. That shit was brutal as fuck. Thatcher was beating the shit out of Tony Storm. And Tony was fighting to uh, get that win. And I was literally front row watching it. Really, really awesome stuff with um, the men and the women. So, I find it to be no big deal. So, while we're making a fuss about intergender wrestling, it is here to stay. It's not going nowhere. So, it's a pointless... Like, this argument, we don't need it. I'm just saying. All because of the speaking out movement. Because you got shady people. I get it. Now. That's not. You're not going to take any. You're not taking that away from the wrestlers. If they want to do intergender wrestling. Let them fucking do intergender wrestling. That's all I'm going to say on that. Just be. Now. Speaking of the speaking out movement. ICW. They actually announced a company changes. Following the speaking out movement. So. ICW issued this statement. Right here. We have used the past six weeks. To conduct a review. uh, Of our operation. And implement a variety of. Stringent measures. To maintain a safe environment. For our fans. Performers. And crew. As an industry leader in this lockdown. In this country, we took the time that lockdown gave us to listen, discuss, and uh, plan and make meaningful changes. Um, The steps we have taken include creating an official code of conduct and dignity at work policy where all performers and crews will be required to sign. A code of conduct for audience members will also be displayed at our events, and we will have points of contact for fans should they have any concerns. A welfare officer who is an independent of the roster has been employed. All talent and staff will have to uh, direct access to them in person at shows and by phone and email during the office hours. They are currently undergoing a series of um, modules to gain the qualification in Understanding anxiety, depression, and CBT, well-being at work, and introduction, psychological, and mental health, beyond nature and nurture, improve your intercultural competence, people management skills, HR fundamentals, challenges, and human resource management. Personnel checks will be carried out on all performers and crew. Any allegations made towards the performer or member of the crew will be taken extremely seriously. Anyone charged with the crime will be suspended from ICW pending investigation and anyone found guilty will be removed permanently. We would like to make it very clear that we will not com- comment on individual cases as w- doing so could interfere with legal proceedings. In addition to the measure leading up- listing above, ICW supports equities, five pledges, for wrestling promotions and will adhere to 1. Having a clear and robust dignity at work policy 2. All transport and accommodation arrangements being agreed upon the talent in advance 3. A separate, private, and secure dressing room space being provided at every show 4. A pandemic being present at every show And five all-associated wrestling schools providing clear safeguarding policies. This year's has brought about unprecedented changes in professional wrestling. And as ICW moves forward with new measures in place, we vow to do everything in our power to keep our industry safe, fair, and strong for performers, staff, crew, and fans alike. So, good on ICW, man. Making some changes after the Speaking Out movement that really plagued UK's, the UK scene a little bit. And um, and I'm glad that they made some of these changes during this lockdown. And when probably when things get back to normal, we're going to uh, see these changes implemented right there. And I, I, I like it. I think that's great. They're finally taking precaution and they're doing the right thing. So I got to give them praise for that. And we don't know what the future holds if other companies are going to follow suit. So, let's find out sooner rather than later. Alright guys, before we continue on with the episode, I want to give a quick shout out to Amino. Now, you may be asking yourself, hey uh, Shino, what the hell is Amino? Well, it's an app that is pretty much a network of communities that you can explore, discover, and obsess over things that you like. Say that you love video games. You want to join the video game communities on Amino. They have it. You like music. They have it on here, like different genres. Like for me personally, wrestling. Wrestling is one thing I lo- that I really love. And I'm part of wrestling Amino. And I met a lot of amazing people on here. So, and it's fun to interact with everybody because they are very friendly. Very friendly people out there. So, once again, if you want to try out Amino, it is free. I am part of Wrestling Amino right here. And, like, this is where I got started before I got into podcasting. So... If you would like to download this app, it is 100% free. I am telling you, it is worth it. Download the Amino app, and hopefully I can see you guys on Wrestling Amino. And now, back to the show. Now, I was about to talk about WWE, and I was going to move on to one of the... The stories about fans taking shit to tell seriously, but I have some breaking news that just broke uh, right now, and a major executive who was bought to who bought AEW to TNT has been fired. So there's been a massive exchange and shakeup at the uh, Warner Media that has led to the firing of Bob Greenblatt and Kevin Riley. Now Variety is reporting that Warner Media CEO Jason uh, Kalar made an announcement today in a memo to staff on Friday. Variety reports that Ann Sarnoff has been promoted to overseas... To oversee a newly expanded content group. Now, the story is massive in the TV industry. And it remains to be seen if this affects all elite wrestling. Now, Riley is the person responsible. Kevin Riley. Who... bought. Responsible for bringing AEW to TNT. He also oversaw HBO. And there have been talks to bring an additional hour of AEW programming to HBO Max. But there have been no updates on those talks in recent weeks. Now, Riley has been the head of TNT and TBS since 2014. And was promoted to head of content for Warner Media. He had signed a four-year deal with the company last May. So this is a snippet of the memo that was sent out today that mentions TNT. So it said, on Sawn off Warner Brothers chair and CEO will be leading our newly crea- created studio and network groups. Combining original production, content studio, and programming capabilities currently spread across Warner Brothers, HBO. HBO Max, TNT, TBS, and True TV. This group will oversee all Warner Media television series and motion picture development. Production and programming partnering with Andy to ensure HBO Max is successful globally. Casey Blois. Now, if I pronounce that last name wrong, I apologize. President HBO Programming will also be taken on... Original content responsibilities for HBO Max and the domestic linear network, TNT, TBS, and True TV. Casey will open, well, we'll report to Ann. Casey and the HBO team have done an incredible job over the last several decades delighting uh, consumers with HBO original programming. And I'm excited for Casey and this expanded team to have an even greater impact on the world. Now again, I'm quoting wrestlingnews.co on this. We don't know if these changes will have any impact on AEW and Dynamite bringing strong ratings for TNT. So, in theory, the show should be safe, but you never know for sure when there's a major shakeup. I don't think I don't think AEW is going to be affected by this. And um I think it's going to stay in their position, you know? So, I just think it's a wait-and-see approach. So, and speaking of which, I saw the preview. We're going to have nine matches on AEW Dark um, next week. And Rachel Elwing is going to be there. And I'm happy for her. I think she's great. WWE really missed the ball on her. They just signed her for the sake of signing her. And it looked like she was cleared. And while it's AEW's gain. Maybe she's going to work there, or maybe she's going to be part of the, um, just work around the uh, indies, to say the least. Just saying. Now, <clears throat> I got to ask you guys this question. If you like somebody, you're not going to, like, you're a fan of, of pro wrestler, right? And you don't do anything to, like, make your fandom too serious, right? Like, and I see people, they are smart, they know better. And sometimes you take shit too damn serious. Just ask the one person who started a petition for Alexa Bliss. For Alexa Bliss who got taken out by Bray Wyatt last week. Now, she ended SmackDown by getting taken out by the Fiend, and it was a big deal for the pro wrestling community, and it even got my attention. So I'm curious to see where they do what they do with that storyline some even went as far to start a petition shame shame fans these days now fans have started a change.org petition called justice for alexa bliss they and i don't know who started this petition and if you're listening you are taking this shit way too fucking serious so you need to seek some help all right it is us st- act it is not real, okay? This is all part of a storyline if you have a functional brain. Just saying. Now, the description for the petition says this, and I, I'm, I looked at it, I took one peek, and I just had to laugh. On the ju- July 31st edition of SmackDown, our hero, Alexa Bliss, was assaulted by a thug named Bray Wyatt. The reason for this is to see the criminal brought to justice. Please sign this to see our queen, but get the justice she deserves. She's going to be back, guys. For fuck's sakes. Stop taking shit so serious. It's an act. Alexa Bliss is fine. And I guarantee you, she wanted to do it. Like these super fans, man, who take shit so seriously... That you're willing to start. Like, I saw a petition calling for WWE to fire Alexa. No, not to fire Alexa Bliss, but to fire Sasha and Bayley. Man, I don't know what's wrong with people these days. They don't understand that it's part of a story. I don't get it. I don't get it. Stop taking shit so seriously. It's a fucking storyline. Don't let your fandom take over you. My God. I hate when people do that. Anyway. Had to vent for a second. Now, Kelly... No, Killer Kelly. She is out with an injury. WWE's NXT UK brand hasn't been active at all during the pandemic. They had to shut their doors... Um, but there are some plans to bring back the brand, bring the brand back as soon as they are permitted. Now, Killer Kelly recently got some bad news. She posted a photo of herself in the doctor's office. Her arm was in the full cast, and she didn't look too excited at the moment. Now, it wasn't revealed exactly what was wrong with Killer Kelly. She would probably be recovering from some kind of arm surgery, as her caption said, I guess it's going to be leg day every day. So, Kelly, she's no longer with the company after she quietly left in January of this year. Now, Triple H told the NXT UK roster that they need to be ready. There are currently no plans made public for another NXT UK event. The company did recently register a trademark for a tournament name called for the brand, which was called... um, Let's see if I remember... It's called the NXT UK Heritage Cup. So, it looks like they're still making plans for that. She received a flood of well wishes. I hope she, uh... Excuse me. I hope she recovers in time. And, like... Like, I don't like hearing a story about wrestlers getting injured. But, if it's an arm injury and it's serious, I hope she kicks that ass. Kicks kicks ass and just recover right on time. I mean, I know she's not in NXT UK, but I just want to see her back in the ring. Where, I don't know. But that's on her. I want to send my condolences to uh, Melina. Um, My heart goes out for her as she mourned the loss of her father who passed away from COVID-19. And this is what she put put on her Instagram. And she said, my father will, will forever be... The best man, the best human being I have ever known in my life. He is my everything for all eternity. My features, my loving heart, my passion for life, my humor, my values, my strength, my determination, my kindness, my man. No, my name, everything I am and have is because of my father. My heart hurts so much. I want to fall apart and drown in my tears because my hero, my strength And my protector is no longer on this earth. He is in my heart reminding me that I am capable of anything I put my mind to. Reminding me to be compassionate, brave, happy, grateful, and strong. My father was was very loving, giving, smart, strong, and loyal. He could make anything happen when things would go wrong and he find a solution. If someone was hurting, he will make it all better. He cared about everyone around him. And he made so many people laugh. He put smiles on faces and loved being social. He was the absolute best of the best and I was lucky to have him as my dad. She ends with, Daddy, I hate this and this hurts so badly that I physically hurt. We miss you. Please know I'll do everything. I can be too strong for you. I will live every second knowing... I am loved by you, and you will, and I will do everything I can, to my final breath, to make you proud. R.I.P. I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, Priston Perez II. Um, July twenty eighth, I believe nineteen fifty five, to August first, two thousand and twenty. My condolences go out to uh, Melina. I hope. um, And I know she's a strong woman. And I don't like hearing. Like I don't like hearing stories about someone losing their loved one. It's really hard. Especially from a wrestling standpoint. But my heartfelt condolences go out to her. And I hope that she will remain strong. You have me. I'm going to be praying for you Melina. I'm going to be praying for you. So. I want to say, like, let's move on from this. Um, I want to send congratulations to the pe- to the Bella Twins. They just gave birth. Brie Bella gave birth to her second child. And it's a boy. So now Daniel Bryan has a girl and a boy. That's with joy. And everyone is healthy. Now, due to the birth of the baby boy, don't expect to see much of Bryan on SmackDown. I mean, makes sense because he has to be a father right now. Now, Nikki Bella, she gave birth. And this is just just a coincidence to my eyes. Just hours before Brie Bella welcomed a second child. Now, Nikki Bella announced on Instagram that she gave birth on Friday to her first son. The baby was born on the day before Brie Bella gave birth to her second child. Uh, July 31st, 2020, our baby boy is here and we couldn't be happier and more in love. Everyone is safe and healthy. So, congratulations to Daniel Bryan. Congratulations to Bree. Congratulations to Nikki. And congratulations to Autumn. And I hope... I know you guys are going to make great parents for um, your kids. I mean... And I'll, I'm, I'm just so proud of you guys. Very, very proud. So, we got some SummerSlam news. As you guys know, we're like only... Two weeks or three weeks away, no, two weeks away if I'm correct, from SummerSlam. And they have apparently found a location outside of Florida for uh, SummerSlam. Now, WrestlingNews.co was noted that last Friday that WWE officials met to hopefully get plans to include a location for, the, for this event to be finalized. Since that time, there's been no update on how that meeting went until now. The company had planned to hold the Summer Slam at the TD Garden in Boston, but however, that wasn't possible due to the ban of large gatherings in the state. WWE has also gone um has also gone looking for other states in the northeast part of the United States to see if they could host this show. With fans, but found challenges in the process because of the spikes in cases for COVID-19. Russell Votes reported today that it appears SummerSlam will indeed not take place in Orlando, Florida, at the Performance Center. Now, Russell Votes said, "I've been told by two different sources over the weekend that the feeling is SummerSlam will be happening outside the PC." Seems like WWE found a location in the northeastern part of the U.S. No word on if fans will be in attendance or not just yet. Now, as you guys know, we got two matches announced and we got two more added. So, we'll talk about that. Like, we already know Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre is a thing. We'll talk about that great promo that they did on Monday Night Raw. And we got two more matches, which I will give my thoughts on later on. So, we could also be getting an announcement on a location for SummerSlam in the near future. And what is that possible location, you may ask? Well, according to Dave Meltzer on the Wrestling Observer Radio, he is speculating that going to take place in Atlantic City, New Jersey, being targeted as a possible location. Now, WWE hasn't made the announcement just yet, but... um. There's no word on whether WWE will sell tickets for fans to attend or if tickets will be given away. Now, I honestly don't know if they're going to be at Atlantic City, but they might have an empty arena, as always. They probably might just do SummerSlam outdoors. I don't know, but you're even risking getting possibly COVID. I don't know. I'm still thinking it might be at the PC, but if they're gonna be outdoors, then and you're not telling your art your talent what's gonna happen, something is not like literally, you're hiding something. I don't know what is the mindset is, but it's just I don't know. Like, they might be at top of Titan Tower and have SummerSlam or something like that. But if they're gonna be at Atlantic City, New Jersey, and having. Fans in attendance, yeah, good luck with that. That's just gonna be feeding in Vince's ego. I don't know, man, but they gotta think they really gotta think so hard on this because Summer the card for SummerSlam is not even fucking completed. I'm just being completely honest with you. But I don't know. We're gonna have to just wait and see. Moving on. And what I thought is a weird story, I I'm just I just said what on Monday when I heard this. The Rock purchased the XFL with Redbird Capital as a partner. I'm like, wait, what? Now, in a story that seemingly came out of nowhere, much like Randy Orton hitting an RKO out of nowhere, or Alistair Black hitting a Black Mass out of nowhere, a uh, few that should have happened but wasted. Um, <clears throat> Dwayne The Rock Johnson has purchased the bankrupt XFL. Johnson teamed up with Redbird Capital to buy the league just hours after auction was set to begin, according to a press release issued today. Johnson and his partner paid $15 million for the league just months after McMahon folded after he cited COVID-19 for not being able to continue. Johnson's business partner, Danny Garcia, will be the stakeholder. The XFL reboot in 2020 drew 3 million viewers in his first week and solid attendance number after McMahon decided to pull out of the league TV networks such as ESPN and Fox were still interested in airing games but there were conditions that needed to be met since McMahon was no longer on board having Johnson as the co-owner of the league will make it easier for the league to open more doors so I'm absolutely curious to see where this is going to go but um, I'll let you guys be the judge of that. But how do you guys feel? The Rock buying the XFL? I'm I'm still taken off guard by that. Like what? But let's see what they can do um with uh the XFL that Vince couldn't do. Now you may be asking yourself, where the hell is Austin Theory? Well, and it's been weeks that Austin Theory has been missing. On Monday Night Raw. And they did not even mention him by name. And he, he wasn't um, um, even part of Seth Rollins' new group with Murphy. Now, there's been speculation online that Theory is injured. That's not the case. As Melzer was asked about Theory by someone on Twitter. And his response was that he is on an unannounced suspension of sorts. Now, as of right now, there are no more details available, but we'll pass along updates when, this is from wrestlernews.co, That when we hear more about on this suspension. So, that if you're wondering, that's what happened. Austin Theory hasn't been featured because he's on suspension, because of the speaking out movement. And I hope he gets his shit together, because I don't want to see him possibly getting the axe, much like Velveteen Dream is possibly going to get axed by WWE. So, just saying. And he's a really good talent. Like, I say it every time I talk about, um, during his time in Evolve. He is somebody to keep an eye on, but with this story going out, I don't know, man. It's just so many questions that need answers. Now, like, hopefully, like I said, hopefully he gets his shit together and he needs to revamp himself. Hopefully, he takes care of this situation because if more evidence pops up on him, yeah, it will not look good for Mr. Austin Tahiri. Now, this story I'm about to tell you is so bizarre that I don't even know how I should put it. Now, if you remember Marty Jannetty, you remember him from the Rockers during the time in WWF. You may remember the incident where he got super kicked and thrown into the barbershop glass window. During that segment. By Shawn Michaels. Now. This guy. Desperately needs some fucking help. And you may be asking. What are you talking about? Because he pretty much admitted. Apparently. To murdering a man. Now on his post on Facebook. On his account. Former WWE superstar Marty Jannetty. Posted about making someone. Disappear when he was 13 years old. And he also noted that. It was the very first time. Quote unquote. That he quote unquote. Made a man disappear. Now the post appears to have been deleted from his Facebook. This morning. But this is what. uh, We got. I never told no one this. Even my brother Gino. Because Gino would have killed him. And I didn't want my brother gone. Hell. He only recently came home from Vietnam and I was working, like I was 13, working at a Victory Lanes bowling alley. Buying weed from that, you know what, the F word, I'm not going to say it here. That um, worked there and he put his hands on me. He dragged me around to the back of the building, you know. You already know what he was going to try to do. There was that was the first very first time I made a man disappear. They never found him. They should have looked in Chattahoochee River, but Winnie the Girl in the Pics I like you so damn much, probably my favorite, but I promised myself way back then nobody would ever hurt me again and that includes you. I love you Let's see, I loved you, but you hurt me what your your fucking Jamaican jealousy, not that not the word fuck, but the other word that I mentioned. You can go your own way. I don't need you. Unquote. In response to someone who asked him if he was doing okay, he commented, Me and Winnie just had a fallout, but if you're asking about the other things, yes. This was a billion years ago. Plus, I have the satisfaction of knowing that... Oh my goodness. Knowing that bitch ass never got to do another kid like that. Just, wow. Now, he went into more details on what led to him killing a man in 1973. Now, he was... Interviewed by Boston Wrestling Sports on YouTube, on their YouTube channel, and on Wednesday to address his claim that he killed someone in 1973 when he was 13 years old. Now, Janetti said that the man tried to rape him behind the bowling alley, and the man was known to lure little kids. He was a front desk clerk, Janetti said. He was known to sell weed. What I didn't know was he lured in little kids. I can't say he deserved to die, but he deserved to get his ass beat, Janetti added. Janetti said that he wasn't trying to kill the man when he was beating him in the head with a with a brick. God damn. But when the man died, he then tried to get rid of the body. He continued, Can you imagine dragging a guy he just tried to to F you in the ass. Um, and can you imagine dragging him to the river and throwing him in? And then finding out on the news that the dude's missing. You know the dude and you know more than that. That affected me bad, bro. Now, the Columbus police are investigating after his murder confession... And they told TMZ that they would be looking into the claim. Now, the department currently had some active homicide investigations going on. And they take priority. But noted that the first step will be seeing if we have any missing persons or unidentified remain cases that match the limited information in this post. So, literally, it's just insane, man. Genetti's post has been deleted from his Facebook. But the interview with the Boston Sports Wrestling will likely be added to the police probe. The question is if Marty will be able to prove self-defense if charges are bought by the police. It's also possible that the case will go nowhere. This is sad, man. This is absolutely fucking sad. And all I can say is... This company... No no no, not this company that Marty Jannetty desperately 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 needs to seek some fucking help before it gets worse on himself. Now it was trending and I'm I'm talk and I I will never forget. I was on Twitter and I'm seeing people talking about Marty Jannetty. and I'm finding out why and I'm like, god damn. This dude is fucking insane. And like this shit is just, like, I don't know. Maybe it will go nowhere. Maybe it, there might be charges pressed on him if they actually find the remains. But this is just, I don't even know, man. It's like, I'm fucking speechless. I, like, I, I can't even put it in words. This is just insane. But, wow. Wow, I got nothing. I think for the first time. Doing this podcast I really don't have any fucking words to say. This guy needs some fucking help before it gets worse on him. And I don't want that. So this just wow. Fucking wow. Moving on because I don't want to waste time talking about that. Bailey, She was given permission to use a different theme song for Wrestlemania. Now Bailey's a big fan of rock music, and more specifically, she's a big supporter of Paramore. She gets my go- she gets my clap right there. I fucking love Paramore, man. Now the SmackDown Women's Champion has previously stated that she wanted to use a Paramore song for her entrance. Thus, she reached out to Haley Williams, the lead singer of the group, um, and she's about out using. One of her songs for her entrance at Wrestlemania 37. Now Williams got in contact with the WWE star. And informed her that she has permission to use one of her Petals for Armor, Armor songs at the event. Now during a recent live stream. Williams read a comment about how Bailey wanted to use the song Simmer for the entrance. Williams thought it was sick that Bailey wanted to use the song. And is at the biggest event of the year for WWE. Bailey took to Instagram to share the video and what you could find out right now. WrestleMania 37 is scheduled for March 28th in 2021. Currently pending SoFi Stadium. But due to COVID, it is in question, like I mentioned. But that is nice, man. And they probably might use that when Bailey starts her feud, if it's a WrestleMania feud against Sasha Banks. And I'm already picturing ideas. On what they could do. Sasha Banks could win the Royal Rumble in 2021. And. She could challenge Bayley. For the uh, Smackdown Women's Championship. And you build towards that storyline. For next year. Like I would say don't do it right now. Like let it slowly. Play through. You know. And then. When the timing is right. That's when you do it. Like. You gotta play your cards right. Like, knowing WWE, I, I know she ain't holding that Raw Women's Championship that long, okay? I And I'll explain why at a later date, okay? When we Well, we're about to talk about it now, so here we go. Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Where do I even begin with this show? Where do I even begin? Now, I'm looking at the poll results right now, and you guys are saying 44% is a thumbs-up show, and 56% said it was a thumbs-down show. And I'm raving that flag of thumbs-down because it's just... <clears throat> I, I don't understand. Raw... Un- like, oh, I, I want to just go on and just talk about Raw Underground, the ground. But there is news about this Monday Night Raw that the tapings, like, he was in a volatile mood and there was chaos backstage. Now, we heard reports from backstage in the past about chaos at Raw and SmackDown tapings with many segments being rewritten or rewritten at the last minute. However, things are said to be a lot worse From the uh, tapings they did... uh, From the tapings that they just did. Gary Cassidy. He's reporting that today's Raw is totally... Which they already finished. Was unprepared. That's number one. Totally unprepared. There is chaos from the top. Number two. Chaos from the top. WWE is set... Well, they already completed it. For Raw tonight and next week. But things have been changing on the fly. That's number three. Changing on the fly. While the script for the second show has yet to be completed. Cassidy added that there's an apparent lack of leadership. Number four. Lack of leadership. And a log of stress. Number five. Due to the indecisiveness. And a WWE source told him that the show will happen and air. But there's... To no attainable goal of quality because everything is decided under the pressure cooker of it all coming down to the very last minute. McMahon's mood was said to be volatile. And I know why it's volatile. The ratings. He's been asked about that. The pressure on that. He's he's in a volatile mood because NXT is constantly losing to AEW in the ratings war. Which I don't understand why. Because you're putting so much effort. And apparently... I read a report that there was people unhappy about AEW being successful. What the f- What the fuck are you unhappy about? Like seriously. Are you are you mad that is breathing on your territory? Are you mad because there's an alternative that literally your product has been uninteresting? Are you in a volatile mood because the Rock purchased the XFL? Are you it, like what's the matter? So those lists, those lists of words, totally unprepared, chaos from the top, um lack of leadership, log of stress due to indecisiveness and a and everything is decided under a the pressure cooker of it coming down to the very last minute and vince being in a volatile mood. Why would I want to work there? Why would I want to work there and this Episode of Raw absolutely fucking proves it. It's like they did everything on the f- on the fucking fly. They advertised a new stable, which I will just briefly discuss right now. We saw the stable throwing Molotov cocktails at a generator outside when they said we caught footage today when it's clearly nighttime. Like, what? Like, are you serious? I, I-, I got nothing. I got nothing. This company is a sinking ship that is trying to stay afloat. And I'm going to continue my rant when we go on with the show. We had Apollo Cruz versus MVP United States Championship match. And Apollo Cruz won, solid opening match, and MVP and I got to be weird. I got to be real with you guys. MVP is so damn good on the mic. And I think he's literally the best thing on this show right now. Um now they showed lights going out, they showed the mics having technical difficulties, all that other stuff. And he's blaming the lights going out. And he said he's a rifle champion and he wants his rematch. He wants his rematch. Like calling the commentary team that this is an unsafe working environment. Calling Apollo not that he's not a real champion. He wants a rematch, and he wants it at SummerSlam, and they made the match official. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't 2018, that the McMahon family, Shane McMahon, who I will talk about later on, say that rematch clauses are antiquated? Well, we're getting rematches galore. Next time, stick to your words, and actually mean it. Just saying. So backstage, Sarah Schreiber she interviews Sasha and Bailey, and they're asking if they're defending all of their titles at SummerSlam. Now, Bailey replies that, oh, you're just boring. Like, you're going to give us these boring questions when well, you should be paying attention to our video package that we're going to show you right there. And I got to say, I love Bailey's new persona, man. It is so great. And I was skeptical at first, but you know what? she made me like it even more and it's just playing up a little playing up a little bit with Sasha and Bailey's own storyline so they show the video package but near the end Oscar interrupts it and she's yelling in Japanese and I fucking love it when Oscar yells in Japanese if there's one thing that a man should fear is a woman yelling at you in Japanese and she ends it by saying that revenge would be very, very sweet. And I'm asking myself, are we closing in on killer Kana? Like, are we getting close to that Oscar that I want to see at SummerSlam? And usually in WWE BT Sports saying unleash her. I think everybody wants to see it. And I hope it happens at SummerSlam. Now, Sasha and Bailey, they were frustrated and unhappy saying this was unprofessional. And Sasha was complaining. Out comes Shayna Baszler. Says enough of this garbage. She tells Sasha that. I've been waiting. For my opportunity. While you snaked your way. Into a title. And she waited long enough. And Shayna. Did one of the weakest punches. Like it didn't even look like a punch. Like she just. Did a weak jab. And Sasha sort of like she got shot or something. So, that was that. We had um, the KO show with Ruby Riot as the guest. Ruby talks about her win over Peyton Royce last year. And admits that she had bad luck since she came back. And she wishes Liv was here to celebrate with her. And Owens actually brings her out. Liv asks her to listen. And Owens asks... That um, to be here, he said that he asked them that he saw them when they started in WWE with Sarah, Sarah Logan, name drop right there, and have something special. He talked about his experience as he's done some crappy things to his friends. Ruby tell, tells Liv that when she came back, she thought everything was going to be the same. But things were different. Liv was thriving on her own. And thought Liv didn't need didn't need her. She wanted the Riot Squad to be stronger than ever. The Iconics came out and Payton was talking about the Iconics dominating the tag team division. Yeah, right. And conquered WrestleMania. We get it. You conquered WrestleMania. You won the women's tag team titles at WrestleMania. That was a that was a year ago, and I guarantee nobody cares. Now Owens said they say they should have had te- they should have have technical difficulties for the iconics only for them. And I laughed at that line. And the iconics slapped both of them and he looked at Liv and Ruby and was like, "Can you guys help me please?" And then they brawled and we get this match. Didn't really care about it. Liv and Ruby they won. And here's my thought process. Now that they bought back the Riot squad and They could be the ones to take the titles off of Sasha and Bayley. It's just an idea. Just throwing it out there. And it leads to a dissension between Sasha and Bayley even more. Just have Sasha go on her own. Get some wins. Then at the Royal Rumble, she's going to enter. Win the Royal Rumble. Challenge Bayley for the SmackDown Women's Championship. And you play through everything that they've done in the past from TakeOver. Everything that they've done as friends. And now, where this leads to. I don't know. But I think... Like, I said an NXT team like Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter should be the ones to take the titles. I might be thinking about Liv Morgan and Ruby Riot being the ones to take the titles off of Sasha and Bayley. The tag titles. So... It can make them look like the biggest babyface there. Just throwing that idea. And by the way, uh, I read a report that Vince McMahon was high on Bailey. He was high on um, Peyton Royce. And I honestly think Peyton Royce is better than Billy Kay. And Bianca Belair. And I'm like, now you're impressed with Bianca Belair? You should have been impressed a long time ago. So, anyway, just want to get that out there. Drew McIntyre. This segment was fucking excellent. This was shooting from the bottom of the hip. He comes out and he gets right to the point and he talks about how Randy spent his entire career preying on vulnerabilities. Talked about Randy slithering behind and hitting you with an RKO and that's on him. And he let it happen even when Randy warned him. He knows that Orton is motivated, just as he's motivated, Drew is, to keep his WWE championship. He talks about Vince McMahon at one point saying that he looked at both of them in the eyes and told them that they were the future. But things didn't go according to plan, as plans changed. He said Orton didn't lie awake in Scotland thinking about how to make it in the WWE and to get to America, let alone get in WWE to become a champion for that promotion. But it was easy for Orton as it was handed to him just because of his dad's name, Cowboy Bob Orton. He said that he never rode in a limo with Evolution and had anyone cleaning up after his crap, and unlike Randy, he was punished and fired for it for his mistakes and he deserved it. He said that Orton should have been fired more than more times than Drew And this brings out Randy Orton. And my goodness, man, this is something that I am looking forward to seeing. This, This was just pure excellent. He asks, Drew, if his respect isn't enough. He repays him by telling the world that I was handed everything and he doesn't want to be here. He asks if he didn't want to be here, then why is he here? That is a great question. He's here because he enjoys coming down to the ring and punk kicking heads. He mentioned that Drew said that he should have been fired years ago, and he's right. He should have been fired over and over again, but he wasn't. Drew was, and you want to know why? Because Randy was more valuable than Drew ever was or ever will be. He's given a chance, he's given chance after chance because he's the chosen one, then, now, and forever. I absolutely love that line. Now, he dares Drew to come up with an opinion about Orton with the keyword original. Drew lays down the WWE Championship. And he asks Orton, you want me to shoot? Okay. So, he says Orton represents everything that is wrong with the WWE. And he mentioned the Last Ride documentary on the WWE Network, which... I recommend you guys watching. It is very good. And he talked about Taker reaching down and pulling Orton to his level. Why did Taker do it? Because he loves this industry and he cares about the future. And he asked Orton how many times that he's taken a moment to reach down and pull up anyone to his level. Never. And I and he asked if he's ever sat with Owens... Apollo Crews, or Mustafa Ali, like just to name a few. Did any of that knowledge get passed down? Drew says that 10 years ago when Edge pulled Orton out of the... He acts that 10 years ago when Edge pulled him out of the hole, he even talked about walking past him, Randy, and catering as his life was crumbling down. His mom, who was sick, he was self-destructive, and he was spiraling, but Randy did nothing. And he called him a selfish prick. And at SummerSlam, I'm going to repay the favors for everybody. This segment was excellent. And it got me even more excited for their match at uh, SummerSlam. So I thought this was well produced. Whoever did that was, you deserve a round of applause. That was great. Tell, like promo wise, great shit unscripted is what we need more unscripted promos so I'm just going to briefly talk about Nia Jax and the Pat Buck thing I honestly did not give a shit about it the only thing I can remember hearing is audience's remote controls clicking when Nia Jax appears on screen now this whole storyline suspension with Pat Buck literally suspending Nia Jax indefinitely without pay I don't care I honestly don't give a shit about it because I don't even know where this is going to lead up to. Nobody fucking cares. Then we got the 24-7 championship match, which, again, I did not care about this match at all. So, Akira Tozawa, he's the 24-7 champion. Okay. Okay, I, I like Akira Tozawa, but I don't like him in this ninja gimmick. He should, be, like, he should be presented like he was in the Cruiserweight Classic when he was a badass. I could even go back when he won the... Cruiserweight title from... Pac... A.K.A. Neville. And that was a really great moment. Even though they should have saved that... At, uh... SummerSlam. Um... Just... Just saying. Like... He looked like a legit badass. Even in the Cruiserweight tournament... He looked like a fucking badass. Where is that Akira Tozawa? I want that. Not... A ninja... Not him cosplaying as a ninja... Because it's racial stereotype and running around with the 24 7 title at this point, which is just a dead fucking concept. So, is the 24 7 champion. Okay. So, then we get to their big way of announcing change for the third hour. So, they bring in Shane McMahon. Shane McMahon, he's in the ring, like he's backstage. In a ring with no ropes. And you have fucking wrestlers doing MMA shooting. Like shoot fights. Which didn't feel real to me. And he announces that something new on Raw. And that's Raw Underground. Now, I want to take what Rusev and Maria Kanellis said. About... Like, I'm going to start with Maria Kanellis first. So... Last night's episode of Raw was meant to spike the ratings. But as history shows, hot shotting can work for a week or two, and then the ratings will drop down to normal levels. Like this Raw's ratings went up, and I guarantee you next week is going to go down. That's just me adding. Now, Maria Kanellis, she tweeted this out, and I could not agree more with this. WWE doesn't want to build new stars. They want to spike the rating for a couple of weeks to keep their investors slash networks happy. What WWE doesn't seem to get is ratings improve when people care about the story slash stars. Invest in talent, spend the time building stars, and stop being lazy. Like, stop the laziness. And she made a good point. As many people in the company feel the same way, but the final decision will lie and Vince McMahon. So whatever last night good or bad falls on him. So I'm going to go through all these tweets from the replies that she had. Someone said they do have an open position for a lead writer and she's like, "Ha ha ha, no. They have fantastic writers they there but they are not given any way to showcase what they can do. Great scripts are torn up moments before the show." Another person said I know you feel stupid considering they spent the whole first hour of Raw building up new stars. And she's like, ha ha ha. Only one night is not building one night is not building stars. One night pops the ratings. One night uses talented individuals as cannon fodder. Talk to me about the same people in a year, and I will eat my words. Keyword people, not person. And you had Rusev. He chimed in with just a simple fucking tweet. Miro, he literally said this. We want to build new talent. Shane is back. Sums it up. And this is a great article from CBR. Um, they actually had this title. Rusev is right about WWE's hypocritical promise to build new talent. And oh boy, I'm about to go off right after I read this. Now, when a former WWE superstar uses social media to take shots at their ex-employer, it should probably be taken with a grain of salt. Sometimes, however, they can offer a critical, thoughtful viewpoint uninhibited by the shackles of having to toe the company line. This seems to be the case for Miro. Better known from his WWE days as Rusev, Prior, prior to Monday's episode of Raw, the Bulgarian brute weighed in on the announced TV return of Shane McMahon, tweeting, "We want to build new star- new talent. Shane is back." sums it up. Of course, no one in WWE's locker room could get away with questioning the positioning of the owner's son, Shane McMahon, much less highlighting the flaws of the entire WWE creative process. But Miro's criticism would ring true hours later as Raw went to air an episode built around the promise of something new found the company falling back on old reliable tropes while Shane O'Mac's Raw Underground were certainly a departure and look and feel from typical Raw content it managed to undercut its supposed purpose in a single night. Yes McMahon was front and center at what the purported to be a segment built around tough guys engaged in kayfabe fight club style brawling. But the mostly anonymous underground crew was booked to look weak right off the bat. After a lukewarm attempt to build up a hulking, hulking Dabacato, aka babatunde. The raw underground fight quickly centered around main roster also rands who weren't doing anything else squashing developmental talent. Eric of the Viking Raiders and Dolph Ziggler crushed identity less jobbers despite not being in the midst of any evident push or storyline of their own. Then to close the show, the Hurt Business stable of MVP Bobby Lashley and Shelton Benjamin laid waste to the entire underground group with little resistance is there any remaining interest in this new facet of raw now that they've been defined down uh, down so badly this happens to be one specific example of wwe's far bigger problems where 50 50 booking has impended the company ability to launch new stars into mainstream fame Where past generations have been defined by one or two level attractions. Think Hulk Hogan, The Rock, and Stone Cold, etc. Today's product relies on the contribution of a collective of upper tier stars. Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Drew McIntyre, Bray Wyatt, Braun Strowman, and others. Carefully balanced so as to to ensure no one gets too big. While it's understandable that Vince McMahon may not want to risk losing his marquee attractions to, say, <clears throat> Hollywood, this approach has significantly diminished interest in the product. Monday's Raw, along with the reported chaos that preceded it, suggests that internal recognition that a shakeup is needed. And those three hours alone, we saw Raw Underground debuted, the introduction of a mysterious new stable, the TV return of Ric Flair and Lim Morgan, T's the return of like tease return for the Ring of to the Ring for Samoa Joe, I will talk about that later. And what happened with Montez Ford. But apart from the potential rise of Dominic Mysterio, none of these efforts seem to suggest the birth of new stars. The basic point in Miro's tweet was to highlight WWE's long-standing tendency to bring in a legacy star or a McMahon as a temporary stopgap measure rather than building any long-term relationship to the problem of the dwindling audience. And based on Monday's Raw, it's hard to dispute Miro's argument. This is a definition of WWE being desperate for ratings. They're doing it on Raw, they're doing it on NXT, of all things, and they're doing it on SmackDown. They're desperate. Because you promised your investors that we are going to present new stars, we are going to build for the better of the product, we're going to cater to a younger audience. Meanwhile, I'm seeing report that you fucking gave up on Mustafa Ali. So you... And here's the reason, you bought him back two weeks ago, and he got a win, okay, in a six-man tag. Okay, and now you had him lose to Bobby Lashley last week, and here he is on main event losing to Riddick Moss. If that is not an indication that this company has given up on Mustafa Ali, I don't know what to tell you. They say they build new stars. When I read this. This is absolute fucking bullshit. And I'm counting down the days. How long this shit is going to last. For Raw Underground. You want like you want to try a different concept. It's going to blow up in your fucking face. In the wrong way. Nobody asked for Raw Underground. Oh but it's a different concept. If you like it. More power to you. I'm not telling you that... You should hate on it. Like, I'm not telling you, you don't have to like it. This is my opinion. We are an opinionated show. But my opinion stands. I don't like this concept. This is literally the worst WWE has been creative this year alone. They're running out of ideas. They're doing everything in their power to try to get attention. And this is... Like... You did it with XFL, that was a failure. You're doing it with the Raw Underground, that's going to fail. Like, I don't know what their plan is. Maybe they might do something with um, Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar. I don't know. I honestly don't know, nor do I give a shit. And you got, like, I don't understand. Like, what? This is the best you got to get people interested in in your show again? This comp, like I say it every time, this company is a sinking ship that is trying to stay afloat. And they're doing a terrible job at that. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, seriously, are you kidding me? That's the best that you got. And it's not about being different. You're a pro wrestling company. You gotta give fans fucking pro wrestling. Give us a reason to watch pro wrestling. Like, that's, that's a simple concept. Have wins and losses matter. Build to, towards your new stars. Like, you got half the roster sitting in the back, waiting for an opportunity. And when they're given an opportunity to, to appear on the show, they get buried. Like, I look at Ricochet. Ricochet should have been a world champion. Vince didn't see it that way. Like, I don't understand. If this is how you view Ricochet, if this is how you view Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali, like, I go back to Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali who carry 205 Live on their backs. And same with Buddy Murphy. They had the best... They've been booked so damn great on 205 Live, which 205 Live is dying. It's not the heart and soul. It's on fucking life support. You might as well just... Cancel 205 Live and just keep it on NXT. Keep that cruiserweight title on NXT. <sighs> I don't understand why you don't listen to your audience. And I want to bring up this tweet that I found from um, from NWA's own Aaron Stevens, if I'm correct. And I think he said it the best way possible. Let me see if I could find it, cause I did retweet it, because it is 100% facts. He said, "Create new stars." Okay, let's finish that statement. Where they, when there are stars, create ways to bury them. There, I said it. Couldn't have said it better. WWE does not want to build new stars, and you cannot convince me otherwise. They are at a pure desperation. And this is unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable. Sorry I had to rant. But I had to get that off my chest for a second. Like I had to watch Cedric and Mustafa tear the house down at WrestleMania 34 for the vacant Cruiserweight title. And I know most of you were there. I was there. And it was a damn good match. That's all I'm going to say on that. Moving on. Dominic. He was interviewed backstage. And he... Um, Like, he was asked why he continues to show up on Raw and put himself at risk. And he pretty much said he might be crazy. It might be crazy why he's doing what he's doing. And if anyone thinks he's crazy now, they're really going to think he's crazy when he challenges Seth Rollins to a match at SummerSlam. Now, we'll get into that on the main event, which was that. Shayna Baszler versus Sasha Banks. This was really good. But the ending made absolutely no sense. Now, I did see a clip of Shayna actually saving Sasha Banks from possibly dislocating her arm. And I'm like, now that's great awareness right there. But the match ended in a no contest when Asuka attacked Bailey, who was not even in the fucking match. And I'm like, who in the right mind came up with this idea? Either you book the match or don't book it at all. If you didn't want Sasha or Shayna to lose, don't book the fucking match. It's not that hard. Now, later on, after the commercial break, you had Asuka in the ring, was interviewed by Charlie Caruso. And they showed a full recap of what happened last week. And she asked, what's the update on Kyrie Sane? Oscar said, "Kyrie Sane will be okay, but she's not here. Sasha and Bayley are here. I'm here. I want Sasha Banks for the Raw Women's Championship at SummerSlam. Now I gotta say this, man. Asuka's English is fucking fantastic. And it already showed that she got so much better and so comfortable speak cutting promos in English. Like mixing Japanese and English, that is great. She like this that's what stands out about Asuka. Now Baszler, he she comes in and Tells her look look, I'm not here to fight you. I'm actually rooting for you. I'm actually I actually want you to win the raw women's championship from Sasha so I could dismember you. And I'm like, you got two teasers right there because I do want to see Shayna versus Oscar, two of the best women that held the NXT women's division with an iron fist. That is a match I think everybody would go crazy for. Two of the best hard hitting technical wrestlers in that women's division and i hope it happens now sasha banks she came out and said that this is her title look at it now oscar you'll get your rematch if you beat a former nxt women's champion and a member of the four horsewoman my best friend bailey next week and you look at bailey's reaction like pay close attention to bailey's facial expression like what are you doing i can't, you're making me volunteer to face oscar like, and here's a fun fact: Bailey has never beaten Oscar one on one, so we all know Oscar is gonna win, and we're gonna get the rematch. And I hope that at SummerSlam they bring out the the face paint. and I think W and I said WWBT Sports wants to see it as well, and I ho- like that's what I am hoping, and it will bring Sasha off guard, and and this shows me one thing that. Sasha is overconfident and it extends the storyline with her and Bailey. So with their dissension. So I love it. I think it's great. So good luck, Bailey. You're gonna need it. So we got another showing of WWE being lazy. You had Angelo Dawkins taking on Angel Garza because we don't know how to like we don't know what to do next. Like, we got a tag team match and you're building towards two singles match between your tag teams. Don't like that. Gaza won. And then we got Andrade and Montez Ford. Now, later, later during the show, he collapsed. And he was gearing up. He got ready for the match and he collapsed again. So, they're telling a story that he got poisoned. Now, does this remind me of WCW? Because I believe it did. That someone got poisoned. So, they're in the backstage. And you know, Angel Garza was flirting with a woman from The The Bachelor. And now, the woman who was never to be seen... Is now flirting... He's now flirting with Charlie Caruso. So, this is where Bianca Belair comes into play. She's asking... I know you did this. You're the mastermind behind this. I know you poisoned my husband. And Charlie Caruso, like the smart woman she is... Walked out... Because when Bianca took those earrings off... She was ready to throw down. And this is... And I'm like, oh, okay. So, I want to see more Bianca... But I want to see her get in a title picture one day. Just saying. So then we got the main event. Seth Rollins. He's out with Murphy. He addresses... He's like, before I address Dominic... I have a few questions for you, Mr. Tom Facefuck Phillips. If you don't get that reference, I mean, this happened like a couple years back where there was a report on him um, sexting a minor, if I'm correct. That was years ago. But we moved on from that. He asked if he considered himself to be a professional. If he's an unbiased journalist. He reminds Tom that last week when Dominic attacked him with the candlestick, you cheered on him. You cheered for him. He reminded him that he's the voice. He has a voice that matters and he's part of the greater good. The only thing that's going to be the greater good is if Vince McMahon steps down. And like I said, it starts with the head of the snake. And you should call it down the middle. Otherwise, you'll be a liability. Now, he instructs Murphy to take Phillips, and Samoa Joe stands up and is like, no, 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 that's not going to happen. He's like, let me tell you something. Um, They can go back in the ring, or he'll, he'll slap him and beat his disciple in front of him. He tells Seth that he was laughing more than anybody when Dominic hit him with a kendo stick. He told Joe, you don't want to do this. And he's like, oh, I want to. And so they rush back to the ring. It's like, you know what, Joe? Get in this ring right now. And I'm like, that is fucking awesome. Joe teasing a return. And speaking of returns, there was, uh, going off topic for a second, there was a video showing Tyson Kidd training in the in a wrestling ring. Now, this gives me hope that, um, that he's going to be cleared. Because I do want to see Tyson Kidd uh, back in the ring one day. And he looks in great shape. And it feels like he hasn't even lost a step. So I think they might send him back to NXT. I don't know. I'll let you decide. If he... Oh, I'll, I'll talk about that later. I'll talk about that. I'll save that for later. So Murphy and Rollins are waiting with chairs in hand to attack Samoa Joe. But Dominic appears taking out both of them. And Seth is irate and is like, you know what, Dominic? You'll get your match at SummerSlam. So there we go. It's official. Now, Rey Mysterio... In my honest opinion, there was a report that he's there's a contract bidding between WWE and AEW. And now the report is saying that he might be staying with WWE because of his son. I don't know. I'll leave that to your imagination, but we all know AEW, Cody wants him in All Elite Wrestling. I don't know. I'll, I'll let you be the judge of that, but this show, Monday Night Raw... Is just a sinking ship that is dying a thousand deaths. They have to do something to make the product better, and you don't want to hear me, bitch, moan, complain. And I gotta let me stick up for the people who say if you're complaining about WWE, then why you're still watching it? Let me tell you people something. I watch this because I love pro wrestling. I watch this because I want the product to be better. And I come here and I complain because I know for a fact that they can do better, but they refuse to do better. And it shows. So I don't want to hear if you don't like, I don't want nobody to tell me if you don't like it, don't watch it. I watch because it's my job. I am taking the bullet for people who stopped watching this product so I could give them my honest opinion about the show. Like, is, do you not want me to do that? Because I want to. Like, I, I love this. I love this sport. I really do. I want WWE to be better. But change is not going to come at the hands of Vince McMahon and his stupid yes, man. Literally. Change will come when he's gone. And I can't believe I ought to say that. Now, NXT. I thought NXT was a solid show. Um, building towards TakeOver. of you said it was a thumbs up show. 12% of you said it was a thumbs down show. We had an excellent opening match between Rhea Ripley and Dakota Kai fighting for the right to face Io Shirai at NXT TakeOver 30 for the NXT Women's Championship. This was great. Really, really great. And it tells another story as well. Now, Dakota Kai, she won. And she didn't win clean. Mercedes Martinez came in and attacked Rhea Ripley. That's a match I'm looking forward to. So, she hit the go-to-kick, an elevated version of the go-to-kick. And she earned the right to face Io at TakeOver 30. Now, I don't know what they're going to do in that matchup. I think Io's going to bring Dakota to her absolute best. We haven't heard from Raquel Gonzalez. Um, I don't know if she's still under quarantine. But it looks like she's just she doesn't need her. To say the least. But I think this would be a great stepping stone for EO, Io, But EO's going to make Dakota look legit. That's the right person to do it. Now post-match Mercedes Martinez. She laid out um R- Rhea Ripley. And I literally gave my prediction. Like my honest observing on Twitter. That I think Mercedes Martinez might be the one to write off Rhea Ripley. And... As she goes to the main roster. Because what is there left for Rhea Ripley to do on NXT? There's really much nothing else. So, we got this feud. I'm excited for it. I think that's going to be great. We had Bronson Reed and Shane Thorne. This was really good. Shane Thorne is awesome. But we all knew Bronson Reed was winning this. And if there's one thing you should know. Don't take, don't take the frog splash on Bronson Reed. Because he will squash you like a bug. And I like that they did the fist bump. Cause they were part of the mighty that don't kneel during the UK times. So I like that. Thought it was really good. They show Brizango arriving outside the arena. And you had El Ligato del Fantasma. They pulled up and they attacked him. They toss Fandango in the SUV and they drive off. And And I'm like, okay, so this is an interesting story. So then we get the qualifying match. We had Damian Priest, Oni Lorcan, and Ridge Holland. Ridge Holland, man, I gotta say this. I am very impressed by this guy. Now, I wouldn't go by far saying he's the next Brock Lesnar. I think this this kid has a bright future ahead of him. And I could see him uh, being in that ladder match with the announcement that Regal made regarding Dexter Loomis. So, we'll talk about that later. But this was really good. Um, Damian Priest, no surprise. Pin Only Lorcan with the Reckoning. And by the way, Damian Priest's theme is fucking fantastic. So he qualifies at NXT TakeOver 30 in a ladder match. Keith Lee defeated Cameron Grimes. Good stuff here. Keith Lee was no nonsense. He was very pissed. Like I said, when you have a pissed off Keith Lee, you don't want to fuck around with that. Cameron Grimes, he got some nice spots here and there that... That awesome Spanish fly was amazing. He was looking for the cave but he turned it into a spirit bomb, Keith Lee does, to uh win the match. No surprise there. Then the lights go out, go out and you hear Scarlet Bordeaux speaking Latin. Yes, I know that's Latin. And then Cross appears on the Titan Tron and says that, since he hasn't seen Regal, and he tells Lee that all of this is on you. And they showed, I believe, Danny Burch. I thought it was only Lorcan, but it is Danny Burch. Because next week, he wants retribution for, uh, for what happened to him. And Keith Lee's just standing there. And I'm thinking, Regal, are you going to do something about it? Because you got two weeks left. Like, you got a couple of weeks left till takeover. So you might want to do what you got to do right now. So now, speaking of William Regal... He gave us an update on Dexter Loomis, and unfortunately, he Dexter Loomis did suffer an ankle injury last week, and it is worse than expected. So, he will be removed from TakeOver 30, and that sucks, man. I feel bad for him, and I, 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 I know how he feels. You are in a big match, you're going to be in a big match, and all of a sudden, you got injured, and it's worse than expected, and all that momentum... Just erased right now. I feel bad for him. So, to fix this, the four men who weren't pinned or submitted in a triple threat match will compete in two singles matches. And the winners will advance to the latter match at TakeOver. So, that's cool. That's cool. You got Legato Del Fantasma coming out. While Rawl and Joaquin Wilde, they dragged out Fandango. Santos Escobar said they're trying to show how serious Lucha Libre, the Lucha Libre culture is. While Breezango mocked the culture. They attacked Fandango. Tyler Breeze tried to make the save. But the numbers game was too much. And as Breezango was laid out. Santos gave a warning to Isaiah Swerve Scott. Saying that this will be your future. I fucking love Elgado De- El Gato Del Fantasma. That is... This stable, man, I fucking love it. It is just so, so good. And you got two stories. You got Raheem Wild and Raúl Mendoza tag team, and you got Escobar versus Worf Scott for the Cruiserweight title. Take my money. If that is not on Takeover, you are, you are making a huge mistake. That is a Takeover worthy match, and you must be crazy if you don't do that. Tegan Knox. Defeated Indy Hartwell. This was fine for what it was. And I think they're building up Tegan Knox in a feud with Candice LeRae. I don't know. Then we got the main event. The Undisputed Era versus Imperium. This was a really good match. But the problem was they put too much focus on Pat McAfee. And the Adam Cole uh, feud. So Imperium retained because Adam Cole... Just went to talk to Pat McAfee. You had Triple H and Shawn Michaels getting involved. And you had Pat McAfee coming out post-match. Telling telling Cole that you're nothing more than an itty-bitty little bitch. And as he walked out, you, out of the arena. Like I'm using that in air quote. He walked out of the arena. This former Colts player punted the shit out of Adam Cole. And Adam sold that pretty well. Now here's where my problem comes in. Now, this match is official at TakeOver, so don't be surprised. This is just them doing what they do best. They're taking what happened on YouTube or Twitter. And they think it's going to uh, fare well on, on television. And Newsflash, it's not. And the better question you should ask yourself, how do you follow it up after this? What's gonna what's gonna be next for Adam Cole? This is pretty much telling me that you have nothing else for Adam Cole. I don't know. I don't know if Adam Cole actually pitched this idea. I'll let like I'll see if there's any any other reports that come out about it. But man, nobody, and I mean nobody, nobody asked for this match at takeover. And all I can say is just This is just... Them doing a plug for the Pat McAfee show. But, I don't know, man. If you're interested, more power to you. I'm just not interested. Adam Cole has to walk in, walk out as the winner. That's it. Now... Like... The fact that this is on a takeover card... Bugs me a little bit. And they're putting more focus on that... And not putting focus on... Like, giving more attention to the women's title. The like I don't know man it's just my mind is just I don't even know what I can fucking say this is just wrong 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 (laughs) I don't know man I just don't know but this is just them being mainstream attention they got ESPN talking there you go just stop with the mainstream attention stop worrying about AEW just focus on making your product better that's all I'm gonna say on that Don't worry about it. Alright, let's talk about SmackDown for a bit. Honestly, I don't even have much to say about this show. So I'm just going to briefly talk about it. But I'm looking at the poll results. 86% of you said it was a thumbs up show. And that's your opinion. If you enjoyed it, that's on you. Alright? 14% of you said it was a thumbs down show. Now, I want to read this report real quick before we talk about SmackDown. There were problems with the SmackDown tapings. Now, as we noted, on the Monday Night Raw segment, which I pretty much ranted hard on that, there was chaos at the uh, Raw tapings on Monday. And a lot of segments were rewritten, and the tapings for next Monday's show continued late into the night. Now, it turns out that there were issues on Tuesday for the Friday Night Smackdown tapings. Now, WWE was supposed to tape two episodes of Friday Night Smackdown on Tuesday. But there were issues that prevented them from doing that. They were able to tape this week's episode, which... Oh, boy. I cannot wait to talk about that ending. And possible theories on who it could be. Um, but everyone will need to go back to the Performance Center next week for the... August 14th episode. So pretty much they're going to be going live as I'm I'm thinking of. Melzer explained what happened on Wrestling Observer Radio. And he says this. Things happen. I don't know if it was test related or what. There were key people on SmackDown that were scripted into the show. And the show ended up having the script torn apart. Literally by Vince McMahon. Torn apart because why not? Or redone. Anyway, as Raw was, on last Monday night, they made the call to only tape one SmackDown show instead of two on Tuesday. It was a complete mess on Tuesday. And so the show is on Friday. Now, they have to come back on the 13th. He added that there will be taping NXT on Wednesday, August 12th and Let's see, on August 13th, they will tape uh, the 14th episode of SmackDown and the 17th episode of Raw. Uh, They also have a show to tape on the 21st of SmackDown, but it's unknown at the time when that show will be taped. The August 21st edition of SmackDown was originally supposed to be taped on August 17th along with Raw, but then plans change because, again, chaos and Vince changing his mind in the last minute. But this show, man... I don't even know. Is, is this company desperate? Because that's what it feels like to me. Like, I want, I literally want to get to the ending of this part. Because i I, I really got a lot to say. But I think they are at an all-time desperation mode right now. They are panicking. Because... We want people We want to cater to a younger audience. We want people to be interested in our show again. <laughs> You're not showing me interest what you did on uh on SmackDown. Just saying. So we opened the show with the Firefly Funhouse. Now Bray he want to address the haters or the the ultimate superstands who want to create a change.org on. Alexa Bliss. And calling Bray Wyatt a crook. A criminal. (coughs) And he's saying it's not his fault. But it's Braun's fault. And he asked him. How could could he let something so horrific happen to someone that he cares about? All you had to do was give him what he wants. And. He'll be here later with someone very special. So the show opened with the match with between Matt Riddle and Sheamus, this was really good, really good stuff, hard hitting between Sheamus and Riddle, and the match ends in disqualification number one. So that's the first DQ that we got. Chad Gable came out. They still call him Shorty G. Fucking hate it. Just call him Chad Gable. Seriously, it's not hard. It's Chad Gable. So. He came in, attacked Matt Riddle, calls into disqualification, but Riddle, um, even the odds, he pretty much beat down on Chad Gable, who was criminally underrated and underutilized. So after that, the the ring announces like the winner by disqualification, Matt Riddle, and he just walks off. Sheamus grabs Chad and hits not one bro kick, but two bro kicks. To make a point clear on Baron Corbin and his uh, and his bounty on Matt Riddle. And that was pretty much it. So we got this Dirt Sheet segment with Miz and Morrison. Honestly, I muted it because I, I just did not care. Like, as soon as Sonya came out, that's when I unmuted it. Because they did an interview with Mandy Rose's hair. And it was just... Blonde hair with googly eyes. That is some creativity you got WWE. That, that's really good creative. And yeah, and you have Miz and Morrison just pretending to be Mandy's hair. It's, what is this? What the fuck is this? Am I, is this for little kids? Because it's not funny to me. So, if they bring out Sonya Deville, who looks fantastic in a suit and tie. Like, let's be honest. Can we appreciate how great Sonya Deville has been? Literally. She has been breaking out on her own. If you ask who was the breakout star in WWE, Sonya Deville's definitely up on that list. As soon as she left Mandy, that was when she started to become herself. And I think she's doing a damn good job at that. Now, so Sonya comes out, and she doesn't understand why everyone's confused. She says she was gonna make Mandy's outsides as ugly as her inside, so pretty much make her life a living hell. Um, did she enjoy it? Absolutely. She said that she would she would apologize, but she just doesn't feel bad at all, and she has no respect for Mandy anymore. She broke her inside over her haircut. Come on. Now, she mentions that they uh, won an award, the Bumpy Award. Like, I, I got to ask, does anybody watch The Bump? Because, look, I don't. I'm being completely honest with you. And she won an award for making out with Otis. So, Heavy Machinery hit the ring and they beat up the boys and then this is... This leads into the match that eventually closes out, like SmackDown, until we got that ending. So <clears throat> Cesaro and Lucha House Party. I mean, this was eh, but I'm like I gotta say this Cesaro, under you underrated talent, really good in the ring. I thought this was a decent, solid match, but from a booking perspective. If you're going to present the Lucha House Party as the next in line to challenge for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. Because literally there's no tag teams on SmackDown. Why are they losing? You know on a one-on-one match. Why even do a one-on-one match? Shouldn't the champs just stay to the side and have the so-called number one contenders. Get some wins up their sleeves and then make the challenge. Like it's so ass backwards on what this company's doing. But look, Cesaro, like I mentioned, great talent. But but that backbreaker, man, I do not want to take a part of that. He hit. He hits Lince Dorado with with the neutralizer. Goodbye. So what's next? Are we gonna do Nakamura and Gran Metalik? I don't know. That's probably what they're gonna do next. So then we get The Fiend making his entrance. Now, they cut to a commercial. And all of a sudden, at the commercial, you see Alexa Bliss in the ring. And I'm like, where the fuck did Alexa Bliss come from? Did she just teleport it out of nowhere? Just saying. And he's about to go for the mandible mandible claw. But she gently, literally gently, pushes him away. And... It looks like he's got Alexa under her under his spell. So Braun's voice comes on a Tron, and he says he just doesn't give a damn about Alexa. Some person you cared about, eh? Your mixed tag partner. Just saying. Um. So I I guarantee this is gonna play a part during their their match at SummerSlam. Um. Cause all he cared about was destroying the feed. And there were two ways of coming out of the swamp. The evil son of a bitch. um, Anybody laid eyes on. Or the man with the satisfaction that he spit in the devil's face and laughed at him. And, And by the way, he's like, you sadistic bastard. Put more emphasis. Or say, you sadistic son of a bitch. Something like that. Just put some emphasis when you say that, okay? Just saying. And he's calling himself. The, you're looking at the most evil son of a bitch. Blah blah blah. And he's like. I'll give you what you want at SummerSlam. If only he faces his spear and faces the monster. No Braun. You sir. You're not a monster. You make me yarn. Like you as a universal champion is just boring. And that title has been dead in your hands. Just saying. Like, I honestly do not care about Braun Strowman. And I'm being completely honest with you. We're getting this again at SummerSlam. This time The Fiend is winning the Universal title. There's no ifs and or buts. Strowman's title reign is boring. Give it to The Fiend. I don't know what you're going to do with uh, Bray Wyatt. And I'm being completely honest with you. Who's next? You always got to have a follow up. Who's next in line? Big E? I don't see that happening. Jeff Hardy? I don't know. I mean, it could make sense, but you're going to bring up the same issues that he had when he feuded with Sheamus. I don't know. But we're just going to have to wait and see. So we got Boring Corbin. I really wish he could get out of this King Corbin gimmick because it fucking sucks. Literally. And this is why Baron Corbin is so boring. So we get this match. Did not care about it. Sheamus came out, bro-kicked. Jeff Hardy caused the disqualification. So you're even now. And then we get Sheamus and Baron Corbin. Like who acts for that? Just saying. But Sheamus won. Because Matt Riddle got involved. So pretty much returning the favor. So it looks like we're getting Baron Corbin versus Matt Riddle at SummerSlam. I think that's the direction they're going with. That that does not scream a pay-per-view worthy match. Like I'm being completely honest with you because it just doesn't make any sense. So Sheamus wins bro kick. Okay, I'm happy with that. Sheamus got to win. So backstage you have Bailey who is pretty much concerned over her match about her upcoming match against Asuka on Monday night Raw. And she told Sasha that she, it's cool but she wishes she Sasha had checked in with her before she booked a match against Oscar on Raw this week. Banks try to calm her down, saying, like, look, look, we got all the gold. And we did it ourselves. And not only they're the role models, but you're my role model, Bailey. And you had someone saying, Hey, uh, Sasha Bailey, you need it at ringside for a video conference conference with Stephanie McMahon. So then we, we get to that, and Stephanie McMahon appears on the Titan Tron. She talks about their accomplishments. And you had Bailey thanking them for the positive feedbacks, And how they wanted to be role models for little girls like Stephanie's daughters. Now Stephanie Stephanie's tones turns crucial and says. Yeah they got everyone's attention. Including hers. And they begged saying that. They know what's best for business. And they pay attention to what she and her husband do. And they. Did a cheap plug for the WWE Network. And she tells him to relax. I'm not going to hold any grudges. Um, I mean, y'all, role, you guys are role models, right? Being that you, one of them had to dress up as a guest referee or find a loophole and attack Kyrie Sane. And that's another name drop. And before we continue on, I want to mention this. And I'm glad somebody pointed this out on Twitter. Now, Kyrie Sane hasn't changed her Twitter name. Now, I don't know if... Maybe it's just me thinking about this. What if something... What if they worked out something... Like, behind the scenes. That she could keep her name or... They might actually have her in an ambassador role. I'm just speculating. I don't know. I It's just me guessing, but... It looks like... That's another name drop of Kyrie, and I know that they respect this woman, so what else do you, what else can i say it's just i'm trying to think this out a little bit so it so let like my mind is just cluttered right now thinking about this <laughs> so she's not going to lecture them or punish them she just wants to challenge them and that's why banks is going to defend her title at SummerSlam possibly against Oscar. no ifs and or buts it's definitely going to be Asuka it's, it writes itself but knowing WWE they're probably going to swerve us and have Bayley beat Oscar next week which I don't know what you're going to do next I mean it has to be Bayley like it has to be Sasha and Oscar. and we're seeing that like I mentioned on my on the Raw portion that Sasha Banks is literally overconfident against Oscar, and you have teases from WWBT Sports saying unleash Oscar with the um with that full-on clown paint that intimidates her opponents, and she could be spitting like not spitting blood but just drooling blood as intimidation, something like that. So it's definitely gonna happen. Now as for Bailey. And this is where I find this to be interesting. Bailey will face the winner in a three-brand battle royal. That means Raw, that means SmackDown, that means NXT. And whoever wins challenges Bailey for the SmackDown Women's title next week. Now, I hope they don't do the predictable route and have it be Naomi. I mean, I love Naomi. She really does deserve better, but they took that hashtag and turned it into a storyline. And they ruined it. And, and I just don't care about it. Now, if it's on Raw, I, it could be Bianca Belair. But it can't be her because she is tied up in a feud with Zelina Vega and Who Poisoned Her Husband. I mean, that's one case. It could be Shayna Baszler. That's a possibility. But Baszler already said that if Oscar wins that title, she wants to dismember her. So that's, that's out of the equation. Um, I could see it being from Smack, from NXT. It could be Tegan Knox. I mean, there's really nothing else for Tegan Knox. It could be Shotzi Blackheart. But my theory, I think, is Rhea Ripley. And I think it makes sense. There's really nothing else for Rhea Ripley to do. What if it's Mercedes Martinez? That would be Interesting. And Bailey, I saw Bailey on Twitter trying to say, um, Mercedes, that's a nice name. Let's just talk about this, shall we? It could be her. But I'm sticking to my gun, I think, is either Rhea Ripley or Tegan Knox. More case scenario, it's Rhea Ripley. But that's a better way of doing things. So that's all I could say on that. Heavy machinery versus Miz and Morrison. Ended in a no contest. Like We had two disqualifications in a match that ended in no contest. Because Mandy and Sonya were brawling. And and by the way, can I mention this? Mandy Rose looks great with short hair. It's better. It's better that way for her. Uh, I don't know what else I could (laughs) try and add on to this. But, I mean, it was just pure chaos. So, they had a pull-apart brawl backstage. You had Adam Pearce trying to break it up. And then all of a sudden the lights go out. And you see Retribution coming out. These masked figures. Like they had baseball bats, lead pipes. You had crowbars. They're saying it's their house now and you might want to go home. And you had two of them tip the announce tables. They were beating up some, some NXT um, developmental talents that are not on the show right now. And they... You have one with a chainsaw. Yes, a chainsaw. Cutting the ropes. To close out the show. Now, I'm going to throw some theories out here. I know there was two women on this show. In mask. And I'm thinking it's Vanessa Bourne and Chelsea Green. I mean, they've been called up. They haven't done nothing. You called them up and you had no plans for them. Now... Many people are saying it's Mustafa Ali. Some people are saying it's Dominic Djokovic. Some people are saying it's um, Tomaso Ciampa. I don't think that's the case with these two. I mean, I'm like some people are saying it's Ricochet or Xavier Woods. Some people are saying it's it's um, Cedric Alexander. But I'm I'm gonna throw this theory out here. And I hope people might see this. What if it's Steve Cutler and Wesley Blake in this new gimmick that that um, that they were going to be leading without Jackson Riker? What if it's that? It could be that. I don't know. You had them debut on. You had them briefly debut on Raw. What if it's um like what if it's Alistair Black? I don't know. I'm just throwing ideas out there. If this is the new gimmick they got for him. What if it's somebody that has it against WWE on the way that they've been presented? Just saying. But, like, this whole gimmick right here that they're doing. I'm just counting down the days on how they've... They, like, they already fucked it up. But, how they're going to reveal it and be... And we're going to be disappointed, as always. This is just them imitating um, Atifa. You combine that with NWO, with the spray paint, and the Nexus. This is the combination you get. I wouldn't even say it's Sanity. Because Sanity and NXT was done right. This is just them being desperate, saying, Look, we're getting you talking, but at this point... You're making me say I don't even fucking care about this shit. Already. Like, you you literally jumped the gun about debuting a, a faction on social media. And that, that got people talking. Some people said it was Undisputed Era. And that better not be Undisputed Era. Because that would be a waste of time. Like, seriously. Like, and they said this is not something that's going to make fun about... Political, right? And they're doing just that. And I know for a fact that it left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth. I still don't understand what the fuck I just watched. Like, I need explanations. What is this? What is this? This does not make any fucking sense. Yet you say you want to keep some pe- keep everybody's mind of what's going on in the real world, yet you're doing shit like this. This company, I, I don't even know, man. They're at the bottom of the barrel, and I say it every time. They're a sinking ship trying to stay afloat. That is pathetic. <laughs> pathetic. I, I, I don't even know, man. Like I, I I'm I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Like I, I I I don't even have anything else to say. I'm I'm done with this episode. Um Thank you guys so much for tuning in... To this podcast man... Um... Make sure you follow me on Twitter... At Phoenix. Uh... Follow the... Follow me on Instagram at CoolManSip... Like the Facebook page... No one's ready for wrestling... Like seriously... I, I, I don't even know what I'm... <clears throat> I can think of right now... This ending on Smackdown is still giving me... Bad vibes... I, I don't like that shit... Um... But yeah, I'll see you guys next time for episode 78 of the podcast. So until then, take care. Be safe. Try and support wrestling as much as you can. And all I can say is make sure you wear a mask and wash your hands, please. And I'll talk to y'all later. Uh, Peace out, guys. See you next time.